Right, this is uh, a Common Sense uh, podcast with obviously Joey Barton. My guest today is uh, Lawrence Fox. Lawrence, thank you for uh, coming up. I'm, I'm obviously delighted to have you here. Many, many things we can talk about, um, and no doubt we will over the next couple of hours. Um, but again, you know, for me, I would know you from being an actor. Um, I've done a bit of research. I see that you come from a, a long line of thespians and um, you know an acting dynasty. And you know, for me, I would know you better for the kind of stances you've taken in in terms of you know freedom of speech and um, certainly you know the the Blade Runners and and the the kind of resistance from that um, part of of the world that I, I once lived in um, and I loved living there, but also I struggle to understand it. It's almost like a a separate little country within our country, isn't it, London? And um, as I say, mate, look, I'm, I'm delighted to have you here and uh, thanks for taking the time to come and have a chat. Thanks for having me, man. Good to see you and good to see you standing up and causing trouble. Uh, well, I, I, again, I didn't want to be a part of this in terms of, you know, causing chaos. I, I, I thought, you know, the, it, certainly being a manager, you know, it, it kept me out of the spotlight a little bit, but I could see people's frustration when, when, when people are walking around and they're telling you up's up and down's down, that's fine. But when people are walking around, they're saying, you know, up is now down and down is now up. You're like, mm, this can't be right. And and I, and I do take great inspiration, certainly since um, I've come this side in, in terms of, you know, the, the kind of restraint in me has come off because I'm not under the FA's jurisdiction or under kind of employment jurisdictions um, or, or restrictions. And, and the more I'm, I'm speaking with people like yourself, people who have obviously uh, self educated during the immolated as well self-immolated <laughs> as well but but I, I would say you know you, you've gone and, and you've taken an, a position where you're saying okay look I'm I'm going to do my own research and I'm going to form my own opinion and for that um, from what I see you've been hounded and I think that is outrageous it's pretty brutal but like you say there's a wonderful um, liberty that comes with telling the truth do you know what I mean? So as much people sort of walk, also it's really nice to walk into the hotel over there and people came up and like, oh, man, how are you doing? Thanks so much for what you do. So that's really nice about it. But, um, you know, I did, I suppose like you, I had a really privileged life. I got paid lots of money to sit on nice locations overseas and film great things, And but there was just something missing. And that was that you had to lie to get, job you know what I mean and it kind of boiled up in the end to a I got a Netflix job where I was playing a Mancunian drug dealer um, back in the days when you could play other people you didn't have to just stay in your lane like in the woke land and um, they said to me uh, well you know you can't have the job yet they give me the job in the room but they said one of you's got to be black uh, me and the girl and I was like why and they said well it's diversity in it and I said but that's shit because if one of us got to be black, one of us knows that we're getting the job just because of our skin colour ahead of anything else. And they said, well, that's just the way it works. And it was true to form. I got the job, she got the job. She came up to me on the first day and went, I only got this job because I'm black. And I went, no, you didn't. Mm. It's like, you know, it's hard. Well, it must be horrible if, if, if you think that. Do you mm. mean? So, I mean, the acting in industry, I would from what I see has changed a lot when you see certain characters and you're like, isn't that character historically meant to be a white person, but it's yeah. not a black person. So it doesn't yeah, work it, the other way around, you notice. Yeah, and also um, you, you kind of see that across uh, lots of other industries where, you know, you, 
And, and I think we do need to, you know, certainly diverse teams from what I read um, are beneficial in terms of, you know, I think if you do diversify your workforce, you do get different perspectives and it, it, it can uh, increase performance. But I think when it comes down to um, diversification for diversification's sake, I think it, it does become really dangerous. You send the wrong message and almost, you know, it doesn't matter about your ability because we've got boxes to uh, take and quotas to fill. Mm. Um, it's anti-meritocratic though, isn't it? You know? Well, yeah. I mean, I've seen Elon Musk talking to, I think it's Ben Shapiro. I'm not saying I agree with Ben on everything, but I've seen him talking to him today or yesterday where, you know, DEI is in in effect is, is, is anti-meritocratic. Like surely that's what we want to send, you know, as a parent. Um, you want to send the message to your kids of, you know, the harder you work and, and you, the better opportunity you, you can create for yourself in the future. Um, not this groupism. And if well, it's the, victim, it's the victim stuff as well, so it's not just about working hard. If you teach people that they're the victim of anything, then they can't go anywhere. So it's the same. I found that problem with the showbiz thing about saying, you know, they go, well, look, we're trying to, you know, like you say, diversify our workforce and give more opportunities to people. But then the problem is, if you're, you're basically saying to someone, it's going to be really hard for you to succeed without our help. And I think that's patronising, and I think it's not the right way to deal with it. And there's also a load of um, amazing actors who aren't white who hate talking about skin colour and race and all of this sort of stuff anyway, because Martin Luther King was right, content of character, not colour of skin. Mm. And we were there, we, we knew where we were, and then for some reason we've just gone, no, 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 let's throw all that away and we'll bring back the the racists again. And it's sort of... It's mad. We just need to stop. It's why I like Vivek so much. I know he's dropped out now and kind of uh, got put his weight behind Donald Trump. Um, but I like Vivek so much because I remember when it was kind, kind of going a bit mad, he was like, look, there's two genders. Um, reverse racism is racism. And he, he had like 10 points that he went through and they were quite commonsensical. Obviously, some of them got into uh, their constitution, which I'm not an expert in. And I think... Certainly for me, I mean, I want to talk about your career and obviously, and, and then lead into mm. what you've you've um, kind of got yourself embroiled in now. <laughs> same, same as me. Yeah. Um, but again, I think we're on a, we're on a, an interesting uh, touch point here because a big wake up call, I think, for everybody was COVID. But also, if you, if you're aware of world history and what's going on, and you try and pay attention and get multiple uh, information sources. You'd see with the um, Harvard professor Claudine Gay and DEI and 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 kind of a few of the you know Bill Aikman, a big hedge fund guy in the stance and the, and the fight that's going on in the states currently. Um, I think they're realising that it's maybe a step too far and and there's obviously a, a bit of a a cultural shift away from DEI and affirmative action in the states back towards meritocracy. Mm. Um, and I'm hoping that kind of common sense washes over the UK because. Clearly, we've been affected by that George Floyd, Black Lives Matter um, drive for diversity and equality and, and inclusion a lot more than equity probably... and inclusion. You've got to get it right. Oh, Jay. I thought it was equality. No, 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 no. That's the oh, difference. Okay. If it was equality, I wouldn't mind too much. See, I, I the I, equity part is is the most baffling. Equity is communism. So equity is equality of outcome, isn't it? Not equality of opportunity. Yeah, I've seen this equality of outcome argument, and I struggle with it because. There's a few reasons why. One of them being you have to start from a, the same position, or you know we all start. You know I'm not six foot, and you're not five foot four, and I'm not um, 
know, I never got a chance to play for you, you know, what, whatever that is, the genetic constraints that are put on you. Um, and I just think, how can we all end up in the same place if we all just look at our fingerprints or our eye colour or our iris? It's counterintuitive. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, you know, how do you weight it to give me the same advantage as, say, Shaquille O'Neal? Well, it's it, exactly. Why have you got Mark Cuban and, uh, you know, a guy who owns a basketball team talking about diversity, diversity, equity and inclusion when his, you know, the entire basketball team, pretty much bar two, are, you know, really seven foot plus black guys. Did, and it's did like, you see the, um, the Chinese girl? I think it was a part of the account, kept tweeting him saying, when can she play as point guard? Have you not seen it this <laughs> no, way? I seen it so I only seen it because um, obviously I was engaging that at the time, but there was a little, um, try and dig it up for us now. There was a, like a parody account that popped up on, on X or Twitter. I don't know what you call it, X now? I call it Twitter. Twitter, yeah, same. Mm. Um, and it was um, this um, little power forward and she started tweeting after Musk and uh, Mark Cuban were having a bit of a ding-dong about her opportunity to be playing for the Dallas Mavericks, which is obviously Mark Cuban's yeah. team. And, and, and again, that's, that's, you know, for me, I'm sports background, football. We, we are a meritocracy because it's about the best player for each position to get the result. Mm. Um, you know, obviously, the, the, the scab that I picked off was talking about the, the female commentators and, and co-commentators um, because I just felt we'd had overkill of them and, and obviously they were not correct and, and not very good. Mm. And then the minute you question it, like, they've just came for me with pitchforks. And it's a, a landmine, isn't it? You know, this whole idea that... And you see it in films nowadays. You see... Look, my niece is um, on... Uh, she plays for Millwall girls. So I'm, I'm not against girls playing football. No, I, think it's, I. I think it's fine. But um, this whole idea that we're meant to accept the total equity of the two sexes, that, you know, a, a woman's football game is going to be as, A, as interesting as a men's football game. It's just different. Tennis, women's tennis, I love women's yeah. tennis. I prefer it to men's tennis because it's not just ace, 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 yeah. ace, and they really go at it. But women's football is noticeably crapper than men's football, whether you like it or not. And then <laughs> women commentators commentating on men's football is badly, as you quite rightly pointed out, is it's a woke landmine because we've got to accept that you know, going back to the movies, the fact that little, like, five-foot-six women superheroes can kick the shit up six-foot-four, 250-pound men, and it's just not... It just crushed them in two seconds. So I think you, you actually were good to um, and wise to point it out, and it was very interesting to see the immediate victim-blaming that they do straight away. They sort of sit there and go, God, I can't cope. It's been really, really hard for me and it's so terrible and it's so difficult. It's like it's to leave the country. Yeah, it's just... Get, mm -mm. Take it on the fucking chin, babe. Well, this, if you remember the, the first... I hadn't wanted to say anything until about now, if I'm honest, because I knew, you know, the people that speak to, you can kind of... You get there's a bit of frustration because they're not very good, if, if I'm honest. And, and sometimes when someone's absolutely... And not good, and they're not getting better. Then I think there's, there comes a point in time when you have to say, "Look, we have to we have a bit of a time out here," you know, because they are taking people's jobs who could be good enough mm -hmm. uh, and, and will be good enough if given the same opportunity. And if you don't have a fear of being replaced, and you never get any constructive feedback, then how are you ever going to improve? You can't. 
Well, and, and, and if you're in this, then um, you know this this chamber of echo where you know he said, you know, a girl who said I was um, making her feel scared um, comes out then and says she's had no negative feedback and everyone appeared. So I'm like, well, you're clearly lying to you because you came off Twitter four years ago because of the comments. Your mental health must be affected because if people are just, you know, if I went to talk about uh, the Formula One, I haven't got a clue about Formula One, but I have got a driving license and I've driven a car. Mm. And after a few weeks, they were like, shut the fuck up, you. You haven't got a clue what you're on about. Please get off my screen. I wouldn't keep going back for years. Like, I'm telling you, I'd be going like, maybe I am shite at this. And, you know, simply if I went on stage and started playing an instrument singing, it wouldn't be long till I'm getting insults or tomatoes or, or whatever. Oh, can I, yeah, maybe. <laughs> well, if I, if I had the sex change, you'd, you'd, be, you'd be getting Grammys, you'd be getting all the awards. Um, but, but it wouldn't be long until, you know, I realised via the audience that mm -hmm. I'm, you know, not very good. And then it's the doubling down from it where it's like, okay, they, they, they then get entrenched in the position and, and then they just throw all kinds of, you know, a, you know, attacks at anybody who comes for them, as I've seen, you know, from, you know, I think I've got enough credit in the bank to say, and, and the thing that, uh, uh, you know, give me critique on women's commentary on the men's game. And the thing that really got me is just before I, I came out of football management, my, the, the guy who gave me my debut, Kevin Keegan, who's obviously a household name as, as a footballer, you know, ballon, multiple Ballon d'Or winner, um, you know, great player become a good manager, managed England, Newcastle's great entertainment team, was asked a question about the female commentators. And he couldn't have been any more polite in mm. basically saying, look, they, they just don't have the experience. And they rounded on him and they attacked him. And I, and I came out whilst I was still managing and, and said, he's right, what are you saying? And they attacked me. And because I was a manager, I thought, this is they're just going to... Like the, people started emailing the club and trying to get me sacked and all, you know, because they will get there though. It, the whole, but it's like everything. They, you, there will be out there some female commentators who turn up who are really amazing. There are a couple actually, weirdly, in Formula One who who are really good on data and stats and stuff like that, which I quite like. But it's this idea that you're not allowed to criticise someone just because they're a woman commentator and therefore there's some, like Elon Musk was saying, it's like just because you're from the weaker group. You know, women are physically weaker than men. That doesn't make you right by the very balance of the discussion. So, you know, I thought it was interesting that they went so hard on you for that. I mean, I sort of have this conversation with my son because he's good, really good, my little one, at, at football. And he's still just at the point where they're playing with girls at the same time. So he doesn't see it. Was as that like issue. 11, 12? Yeah, 11. And he's... Um, they, they some of the girls are really, really good. When yeah, but, but what's going to happen in the next couple of years is puberty. And yeah. that'll separate. Um, the, the kids then no longer become kids. They start yeah. to move into a different space. Testosterone comes. Mm. And um, the leaps now, you know, a year between two men, two boys, two young boys, is massive. What now. do you think? Do you, do you think Megan Rapinoe did a lot of harm to this stuff? Because she's sort of the only, pretty much the only female footballer that most people who are aware of football are knew about. So it's a strange one for me in terms of, um, I don't know whether you know this or not, but but I was um, the first person to, to wear the rainbow laces in football. I was I started that campaign with Stonewall and Paddy Power, the, the bookmaker. Um, and, and it started because 
uh, a, a girl called Am- Amal Fashion who was uncle was Justin and John Fashion who Justin was gay wasn't he Justin was gay and and, and killed himself yeah um, and did you know she Norwich Norwich I think he went to Notts Forest for for quite big money um, but ne- you know he, he he never quite so he was John Fashion's brother. I think it was his brother, yeah, and, right. and obviously um, he died, killed himself, um, and did, you know, because of the stigma attached to being obviously uh, gay and a black man at the time, yeah. um, and obviously um, you know a really bad outcome. Um, and Amal was trying to get people to speak about you know the fact that that happened twenty odd years ago, whatever it was, and the fact that there hasn't been a gay footballer since come out. Nobody, you know, and obviously if one in ten men were gay, and mm. there's four hundred footballers in the football pyramid in the UK and yet we haven't got an, an, a, a, a gay player. We, I think we have now. I think there's somebody at Blackpool, isn't it, who's in the reserve team or something that's, mm-hmm. that's out. But um, how the landscape wasn't right for people to come out and is that something to do with there's no gay footballers or they still don't feel comfortable coming out? So I ended up... She asked me to do it and I was like politely declined. I was like, look, my uncle's gay, who's a big role model of mine, but it's not really my issue. And... She said, look, I, c- I can't get anybody to speak about this. Mm. I've got everybody who's got an opinion on every single thing in, in our industry, which you know, the, you know, the virtue signaling, no one will speak on this or no current player will speak on it. So I was like, if you ask this person, that person, that, they were like, she was like, yeah, and they won't. So I'm like, why? And she said, look, they're scared of, if they do, football fans um, thinking they're gay or singing songs at them. So I was like, listen, I'll do that. She was like, yeah, I was like, I'll do it for you. And, and the reason being, she couldn't get anyone else. Mm. And also I thought, well, if they sing that I'm a homosexual, it's it's at least of the insults that I usually get on a Saturday. So <laughs> it, it, it's, <laughs> a, it's a positive. I love the football um, chance. So I ended up uh, doing it for her um, and, and, and obviously got the conversation going. And then that led into the Rainbow Laces um, campaign starting. And, and so for me, in essence, I feel like I lowered the drawbridge to the LGBT community. Yeah, you're like the thimbly line thing with the coppers. It's the same. You're trying to do something good. And they've got, they go, we're just going to put a thimbly line to to commemorate the fallen police officers. And all the senior police officers were like, don't fucking do it. Because it's you're you're making a neutral, non-political outfit some in some way political. Now, at the end of the day, rainbow laces is fine. No one's got any beef with rainbow laces. I don't have any beef with the rainbow flag, actually. I've got beef with the progressive pride flag. I've got beef with the fact that it's got Black Lives Matter in it, which is a grift. I've got beef with the fact that it's got a brown chevron in it, which essentially is just for all brown people. It doesn't matter where you are. It could be Indian. You could be, you know, American, First Nation. You could be an Aborigine. that just got you covered. And then it's got this trans stuff. And the trans stuff is like... There's a lot of deviancy and dodginess in the trans stuff, and it's really... I don't like the sexualisation of children. I think it's wrong. So I don't think, per se, a set of rainbow laces can do you any harm at all. It's when I see those chevrons, it's then stopped being a safe space for gay people to gather. You know, I can understand in the 70s, possibly up here in Liverpool and in other places, you go, I'm I'm gay, I need to my safe... I need to know if I'm going to get my head kicked in in that bar. But this is now a political flag... And if you don't worship it, I burnt this flag to prove my point. Um, if you don't worship at it, you're in some way evil mm. and wrong. And that's not what the initial flag was invented for. So the rainbow laces, I, I don't have too much of an issue with. But I do have an issue with um, the politicisation of sport. I hate it. I stopped watching England play football once they started kneeling. And then... I hate to admit it, but me and a lot of my mates watched the France game 
and we were going, come on, France, get, you know, and I've never felt a passion for another team to beat England because you've got half time they're kneeling, the other half time they've got rainbow armbands on. They got Well, they never, if you remember, they, they, they actually backed out of the, the rainbow armband and they, they said they were going to, and if you remember the World in Cup. In Qatar. They, yeah, the Germans um, covered the mouth, didn't they, as a protest, and obviously went out early and then everybody was critiquing them and criticising them. Ultimately, the German manager lost his job because they said they should have focused on football, not sending a political message. Yeah. And obviously, England, all the way up to it, said they were going to wear the armband with the rainbow on, and then obviously at the last minute, didn't. Ditched um, it. Ditched it. So again, I, I mean, look, I, I agree with you in terms of um, sport shouldn't be politicised, but I think I, I think that's like well over the threshold when you see, you know, pretty much state-owned all the big clubs in Europe. Um, you know, Madrid being the Franco government for years, Barcelona being the Catalan rebellions. Um, you know, football, you know, when you look at the conflict in Yugoslavia, I've just finished reading a, a book about Yugoslavian politics and when the when the country breaks up, it, they think it was pretty much, the tinderbox was the football stadiums for it. Um, mm. And that was the first war I can remember, the, the conflict in the Balkans before, obviously, the first uh, Iterance of uh, the Bush families venture into uh, yeah. bombing Iraq. the shit out of everyone. Um, and, and so, f for me, when I look at it, I, I have to, I have to think. You know, is it is the politicisation of sport something that we can change? When you see, you know, our Premier League clubs now um, owned by nation states. When you see, well, it should be because it, you know, at the end of the day, um, I don't notice. I mean, look, I'm a, the minute, literally the minute they started kneeling, I love football. I, I was sat in the 1988 FA Cup um, for a photo. My dad took us to Wimbledon every weekend. And um, I grew up on it and I absolutely crazy adored gang. it. Yeah, the crazy game. <laughs> we were all Wimbledon fans. We're all Evertonians here, except our Noah. Noah's Liverpool. We were all Wimbledon fans Wimbledon, for that, for that uh, occasion, yeah. We had the best. We had the best of the worst, some of our players. But we had some amazing players. Fashion, it was great. Marcus character, De great character, the, the group. Yeah. Sam Aman and, and um, Joe Kinnear. Well, Joe managed Joe, me at Newcastle a bit later on, yeah. He, these, were, these were good. These were good guys, so I loved it. But then once they started being political, I just thought, you know what? I can't, I can't deal with it. I was so rude to them as well. I'm like, you know, I got in a lot of trouble for... I think I tweeted um, one, yet another one got charged for, you know, beating the crap out of his girlfriend or whatever. And I just went, why don't you start kneeling to that, you fuckers? Yeah, Instead okay. So, so, so for me, the kneel, and I was managing at the time and, and obviously a dressing room that was you know, all different backgrounds. Um, and obviously I kneeled. And the reason I kneeled is I thought if I don't, after what I've kind of got on me, they'll, they'll just say he's a racist, he hasn't kneeled. Mm. It came to the point where, for two seconds, it was like, like you know, I, I'm not a racist, so I'm like, look, mm. if if you need me to just kneel down here, and then I started seeing people resist it, like individual pockets of people resist it, and then before I know it, you know, there's a lot of black people who were saying this is, doesn't mean anything, it's a waste of time, you know, they didn't believe in the ideology, and, and I just want to pull you back there to the LGBT and the rain, uh, LGBT and the rainbow laces uh, stuff. For me, lowering the drawbridge. But also what I've found is when I speak to a lot of gay people, and because I I, I got won the Gay Olympics, they call it, which was, uh, I didn't do anything, by the way. Um, but Graham Norton gave me an award at this award ceremony, which was like the equivalent of the Gay Oscars or something like that. So I went down because I wore the rainbow laces. Mm. So I've always had a different 
rapport with the kind of gay community than what m- most mainstream footballers w- will have done. And um, from when I speak to them, I, there's a big split in that community on the position, the kind of trans, you know, certainly for, for me to see a boxing kind of say, okay, we might consider trans athletes. I'm like, wow. Golf, we've seen an issue. Um, obviously, um, football, we'll have it, no doubt, in, at some point in the future. Swimming and, and cycling have obviously um, got a huge host of problems with, um, you know, kind of this discerning who who can compete and who can't. I've, I've, I've seen Sharon Davis. And for me, um, I think if, if a male is transitioning to female sports, I think it's very, very advantageous and very, very dangerous for the females in that sport. If a female is transitioning into the male sport, I don't think it, because of the physical power a man, uh, male, males have over females, I don't think it's as dangerous. So if a, if a woman ne- wants to compete to in men's the, sports, no problem. They're never going to get to the... A woman who's transitioning to a male is never going to get anywhere Yeah, but they may in darts or something like that. Or there is, you know, maybe not in swimming or, or athletics, yeah. but, but maybe in darts. I'm you, going... I dart, wouldn't have a... Darts is... Don't knock darts. <laughs> I'm they're, not knocking it. I'm just saying highly... a sport that wouldn't need um, as much physical uh, yeah. power, you know, or endurance. I think if if, if, if if there was a female dart player who was transitioning to a male and wanted to go on... Um, What's it called? The the Ali Pali? What's it? Uh, the PDC or whatever yeah. it is? Then I wouldn't have as much problem as I'm like okay, no contact problem. But if sports, it's going the other way, you can't do contact sports with biological males. Whatever's happened, you just can't have yeah. blokes be punching women like that UFC rugby, person, yeah, rugby, anything that's a contact sport. It's like men are denser, heavier. We're bigger. We our bones are more dense. Our Fists are harder, our muscle mass is strong. It's just really logical. And also, I hate to point this out, and I'm really sorry if I'm being transphobic. I'm not being, um, I am being transphobic, by the <laughs> way. Um, but it's like, it's a lot of deviancy in this stuff. Yeah. It's not down to, like, this is 51 year old guy who's swimming with 12 year old girls, and he's allowed to shower with them and yeah, all of that. And it's all in the name of inclusion. It's like, the problem with equity, because it's communism and you have to drag everyone down to the lowest common denominator, so everyone has to be as crap as the worst person in the whole of communism, which is why communism fails every time, is that we have to tolerate this deviant, and I don't want a deviant around my kids. Yeah. Well, it, it, it's the thing, isn't it, of kind of Pareto's law, 80-20. 80% of the people probably will be, I believe, 80% of people are good, and there is 20% who are just bad people. Now, unfortunately, when it comes to women's safe spaces and children's safe spaces, we've just got to be even hard, harder on that line because if we get that wrong once, we're making vulnerable people even more vulnerable than than is necessary. Like I've said, look, for me, there's a disabled... You've got men, women and disabled toilets pretty much every venue you go to. Mm. Why don't they use the disabled toilets? Why do they have to use the women's toilets? Because they'd accuse you of being ableist. They'd say that you, they'd say that you are... You are deliberately exploiting a marginalised group. But the thing about disabled people is it's re- that's a really interesting thing because, <coughs> like all bad ideas, they have their genesis in good ideas. So no one would turn around to, at Liverpool Town Hall or you know any sort of old venue and say, we can't have a wheelchair ramp mm. in there. You know, because you've got to include people who are disabled to get up 
and see the same stuff as other people. So that's where they're, what they're driving through. It's the idea of including everybody. And the problem is, including to what end? And if that's a really good example. It's like, I don't want... If you want to come and knock one out as a pretend woman in a female bathroom, that's dangerous for women. Mm. We've seen it in America. You've seen the Broward County, or not Broward County, what was it, where the guy, he literally just put on a dress, went in there and raped a student. Oh, yeah. I, 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 like, listen, there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a common sense. Like If we talk about it and we get most rational people in here and we speak about it, I think most rational people go, yeah, that that's common sense. The problem we've got is now common sense is, is no longer common practice. Mm. You know, if, you, if you're saying a biological male, I've seen something today and I'll, <laughs> I, was, I wasn't going to mention it, but there's a guy who's a 55-year-old man who wants to identify as a 33-year-old woman. Yeah. I'm like, uh, what? Like, we're in the, and this is in America, obviously it's not here. I'm like, how, how is this? How, what's going on here? Because if we, if, if we are not careful, um, there'll be no coming back. And, and when nefarious minds get in positions of power, we've seen in history what that leads to. And it doesn't, not everybody needs to be in agreement because, you know, if a small minority of people get power, as we've seen, for me, the biggest example of that was COVID. Mm. I always thought, how did the Second World War and the Holocaust, how did that happen? How did normal, ordinary people allow that? And then COVID made me realise, oh, actually, very, 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 very simply, actually. It doesn't yeah. take much from the government and, and the uh, media and to create this fear and this furore before people do incredibly stupid things. Yeah, the mass, what's he called it? Matthias Desmet calls it the mass formation psychosis, doesn't he? So that idea that people can be ruled by fear. And there is, you know, there is a certain number of, critical thinkers that just can't be ruled by fear. So my mates who I, um, you know, go on well with now come from the most, I would never have known them if it wasn't for a lot of them, if it wasn't for COVID. So that, that's the thing that gets me over. So you're obviously, you're from a, a, a dynastic Acton thespian family where obviously you've grown up, you know, you, you, I would imagine your dream is to win an Oscar, would it be? I, th I mean, my We want dream... to win the World Cup, so what's, what's that? Well, I would have quite liked to win the World Cup, but um, my football skills weren't quite there. <laughs> um, but no, my I was not really interested in the accolades. I just enjoyed the job. So, um, and I did well out of it. And actually, I did better out of it when I stopped trying to do really, really well out of it, if you know what I mean. I just enjoyed... So, so, so for me, acting is... Again, forgive me, ignorance, Lawrence. Acting is playing a role of somebody would you, would you be yeah. them is it kind of method actors who well, immerse two, themselves in a role yeah there's two types of actors it's the type of actors who get the job and then they stay in the character for the whole thing and bore everyone else half to death and then there's the ones that just do the acting when you say action there's that old line of um oliver reed when he was filming gladiator with um Russell Crowe, and he went past Russell Crowe, and Russell Crowe's like doing press ups in the morning at 5 a.m. or something, and Oliver Reed's leaving a bar, and he just walks past him and goes, She went home hours ago, darling. Yeah, he, ne he never made the end of the movie, though, did he? No, he didn't. <laughs> he, um, but what you know, we do what need. an actor, yeah. He died on set, didn't he? After CGI, the back end of his, yeah. his singing. Uh, but he, you know, at the end of the day, you do need. You, you need a. The, especially this current cultural crisis that we're going for you through you need a lot of you need different warriors for different battles so people keep saying to me like 
you know, you need to be more statesmanlike or you need to wind it your neck in. And I'm like, no, I just get past the niceties. I know what these people want to do to me because I have them, you know, I, go, I meet them every day. So um, I just get past the niceties and get to the the blunt truths that need to be dealt with. And one of those things is um, certainly stay out where, stay away from my kids. Stop teaching my kids what you, I mean, we're not even in control of what they teach our kids anymore. So it's, um, yeah, but there's a lot for of me, worrying the, things. Again, even if they were, I mean, they teach kids to read, teach kids to write. Um, the school system, as, as far as I understand it, was, was designed and, and kind of only about creating workers for the Industrial Revolution. It wasn't really about expanding people's minds and giving mm -hmm. them great insight. I mean, you know, otherwise you would teach them how to make their own food. You would teach them, um, you know, better economical uh, uh, lessons to, to go forward with life but, but clearly they just want to create people who can work in factories who are, who are copus mentors to follow instruction and obey the rules you know the detention all the stuff that comes with school and i always felt as a young boy who, who had a sporting ambition that school was just trying to sedate me i felt like hemmed in by it like i was constantly looking out the, the window trying to get out the class and i, I was of a, a reasonable intellect like i could i could use my brain if i needed to but I just wanted to be out as a young boy, running free. So, yeah. you know, the problem you've got is in the schooling system now is what they're getting taught. And also, I think about me as a young boy. This, did they said I've had it? I had ADHD, and they, they oh, tried to get, get the hoops into me as that. a young um, as a young person second most because of my behavioural. Second most diagnosed um, disease in the UK in children after asthma, ADHD. It's completely and utterly made up because it's again it's part of this stupid equitable idea that have you seen is it Gabor Mete's Mate. stuff on um, yeah. Joe Rogan about it being linked to kind of people who've seen trauma or mum and dad arguing or broken homes when they're well, younger everyone's seen their mum and dad arguing in fact I'd be more worried if I met somebody whose parents had never had an argument Obviously, so you were the Philip Larkin uh, mindset of the fuck they fuck you up your mum and dad they may not mean to but they do <laughs> Yeah. Um, no, I'm of the mindset that the world is not a perfect place. And I'm of the mindset that leftism, which is dominating everything, because they want zero everything, they want like net zero, zero COVID, zero this, zero that, everything has to be, they also want zero death, which means that they want to diagnose everything in the human condition. Now, ADHD is every single boy I've ever encountered yeah. in, in my life. And they're drugging the shit out of these kids. Um, on a regular basis and in some instances that I know of uh, against the parents wishes especially the parents are split up and one of them wants to dope the kid and the other one doesn't the, the court will step in and, and dope the child and these they, these drugs wow how, how, how if well I don't know that space and that, that's interesting to talk uh, about because we talk about quality mm, we talk about Megan Rapinoe early mm. well what about in the divorce courts and what about in the oh, custody the, yeah, courts, the for, divorce for, courts for, are, for that? Divor divorce courts are designed for only for women. So to, when uh, you know when that's when I usually if a woman starts, I don't hang out with too many women who do talk about the patriarchy, as you can imagine, that much anymore. But if a woman starts talking about the patriarchy, I'll start talking to her about the family court system and war and stuff like that. Mm. But yeah, there's it's the the family court system also it's, it's it's locked behind lock and key, so you can't talk about it. So it encourages whoever the vexatious partner is, can be either the man or the woman, to lie more. And you can get in situations where kids are being drugged 
without um, any parents knowledge. And I would imagine there'll be gender stuff in there as well. Oh, they love a bit of the gender, especially with the autistic kids, you know. And also the whole trans, trans thing is super homophobic, which no one ever seems to point out to me, which is like, no, no, mate, you're not gay. Don't worry about it. You're not gay. You're a woman tra <laughs> trapped in a bloke's yeah. body. It's like, fuck off, honestly. Um, but, yeah, the, the, as you say, the kids are being... I, I was really interested by what you said about the fact that school was not really designed to grow a mind. And I think that they are probably, possibly some of the reaction to all of this is them trying to adjust their teaching and fill kids' minds with more stuff. But no no, no one needs an LGBTQ history month no, or a well, black history yeah. month. You know I, mean? I mean, there's there's certain things, and I get it, you know, there was a, a time, once upon a time, where it wasn't maybe the most inclusive uh time you know when you when you look back into america and the segregation and stuff like that but i think we have to be really careful of america is an, an immig a country of immigration it's mm. it's an immigrant population you know, from no the idea. mayflower to you know where they are now and, and their constitution and the way their country's formulated and the civil war and you know it ended up being about emancipation in the end but didn't start it was it was start to keep the union together and britain is a completely different you know i know we've got a common language in terms of you know we can understand each other but for me that's where the similarities kind of stop yeah. and, and i think a lot of people because of the way we consume media and you know the kardashians and all the other american influence we have in our culture it's almost like people are like okay we need to do this here we need to you know pull i, I was in bristol at the time that the colston statue gets pulled down and yeah colston like lots of rich, wealthy uh, men of influence at the time in Britain made his money in some dodgy, um, you know, tobacco and slave stuff. And uh, But he's also built lots of schools and hospitals. Yeah. And why are you not pulling them down? Why are you just taking his name off it and pulling the statue down? Are you going, okay, well, we'll keep his hospital and we'll keep his school for girls and we'll keep that other um, big uh, building he's uh, quite kindly given us through his mm. philanthropic... Um, uh, endeavors but we're pulling the statue down and and, and now i think they've replaced it um, and they go and they go off they go off for doing it i think you shouldn't be able to pull the statue down i think you should um i think you should just stick a plaque next to it yeah, but like jimmy savile's grave um well i'm more appalled that everything was going on with jimmy savile and literally it was very soon after wasn't <laughs> yeah. it that everyone just went we gotta say it now guys do, do you ever i always remember louis Farou doing a documentary and i remember watching it in real time as it was coming on yeah. the tv and i remember watching that thinking he is a very i didn't i didn't you know obviously seen jim will fix it and always felt he was a weird cat but you know there is the eccentric british person and has been historically but I remember watching that Louis Theroux where he went back through and he still had his mum's clothes. And I was like, from what I'd read about some of the serial killers, I was like, this is a f strange old man. Protected by the establishment as well. That's yeah. the bit that bothers me yeah. that, um, you know, you, you meet some people also, you know, I've hung out in that house of, house of Parliament a few times, you know, now. And you go in there and you're all like, oh, wow, it's amazing in here. And then after about 10 visits, you start going, this is a sick, sick, sick place full of some sick, sick, sick people. And I think that the establishment, once it's accepted you, will protect you from um, from the horrors that will come in your lifetime. And well, we're, we're seeing that a little bit, aren't we, now? Screwed. I mean, oh. we're, we're, you know, you've, I mean, you have to... I grew up Roman Catholic, obviously. I'm 
Catholicism, the Roman Catholic Church, where it was, you know, the, the, it was, was it Spotlight, the movie that was out in America about um, all mm. the stuff that went on in the church in America, obviously seen it here, seen it in Ireland. Um, for me, I'm Roman Catholic by birth. I would have to say I've certainly relapsed. I don't go as, as, as much as my grandmother would want me to. Um, been an atheist in the past, in my mid-twenties, and, and I think I'm agnostic. I would have to say I'm agnostic now. You know, I, 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 I struggle with any mainstream religion, whether that's the Mormons, the Christians, the Jews, the yeah. Muslims, the Scientologists, the, you know. But you do need God. You can struggle with a religion, but you do need God. You've got to have something outside of you. Well, well again, I was going to talk to you about that because... Uh, I'd seen you. Obviously, you, are you in? You still in recovery from from drug addiction, or was you? Um, did you have a problem? No, with it I or? gave up the drugs. So I would. I, I went when I was having issues, anger management. It was just <laughs> when I was younger yeah. to Sport and Chance Clinic, and I met a fantastic guy called Peter Kay. He's not the comedian Peter Kay. Is he the one that wrote the chimpanzee book? No. No, that's Steve Peters, Steve isn't it? The chimp paradox. Yeah. Uh, no, he, he he was the main counsellor for Sport and Chance Clinic, pretty much, and he was a reformed uh, drug and alky. Nearly killed himself, I think, about thirty-three years of age. Uh, drank through his pancreas, drug through his pancreas, and. Um, survived somehow was in, in a coma and came through and had a bit of a strange moment on his um when he still had all the tubes and the catheter and all that in mm. um and ended up going into sobriety and then became a, a, a drug and alcohol counselor and helped countless number of sportsmen tony adams i think was the first couple of um people he, he worked with and he grew this clinic that's still going now he, he died about 10 years ago pete and, and the clinic's still going strong helping people but I went in for anger management issues, and in the midst of that, I ended up going to a few AA meetings. Um, I think I went to one over in World's End in Chelsea and a couple in around Lippoch, where the, where the clinic was. And in the midst of that, you go down the 12 steps, obviously kind of handing yourself over to a higher power. I, I did go after that to become a bit more atheist in my, in my mindset, and then, you know, meeting people and talking to people, I've, I've reverted, I think, now to a kind of position of unknowing and, and, and being willing to learn. Um, and I do, I, I do agree with you in terms of I do think you need, um, you know, something. You know, you can't, you know, these nihilists who, who do run into mm. it, you know, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's nothing and they're not going to have kids and they don't care about the planet and all they care about is breaking down everything that is... Um, Hatred of life. Yeah, everything that is oppressed them. Like, everything's an oppressor and everyone's... I'm like, that's... Most people, I believe, are good. I do think, as I say to you, there's a small percentage of people who, who, see, who do think, bad things. I think most people are bad. Okay. And um, and I think that we do our best not to be bad and that some people just don't so that they just carry on being bad. But uh, I find it hard to think that most people are good because you see what happens in the world. And, um, you know, I, I like to think that I'm a really good person that makes my life much easier, but I'm not, you know? Okay. I'm so so why I think most people are good is I think if shown, I think if, if people are shown, I think most people will do the right thing. Mm. Obviously. If they're taught. No, if they, if they, if they if see a scenario, so, you know, they see something go on in front of their eyes, I think they'll try to do the right thing. Obviously, the problem you've got is how confused people are and are and they... You know, certainly now there's never been a time of more information, but, mm. but more information leads to disinformation, leads to confusion. And I think a lot of people's bandwidth 
when you work in a job that you've got a you know scrapper to to make sure you can feed your kids and clothe your kids and give your kids a a, a chance mm-hmm. it's hard to go to a, book, a a library or to a bookstore and acquire a book for further knowledge you know you you, you will tend to uh, have your attention captured by whatever's on your phone or whatever is your, your, your media feed and that's where I think people are being corrupted. I think good people are being corrupted to do the wrong thing. Because well, they're just being offered a, or they're just being offered a shortcut to to not doing anything at all. Like you know the whole slavery thing, which um, everyone likes talking about. That we got to, in somehow we've got to feel really bad about what some forefathers of ours did a hundred years ago, which was totally acceptable then at the time. It's a dumb thing. People knew it was wrong, and then they stopped it. It happened. Yeah. And the British helped stop it, that at the loss of 1,500 Barbary pirates, etc. And it was British people who were taken off as slaves. But today we've got more slaves living today than we've ever had in the history of, of the world. Well, we just had a World Cup guitar, which was pretty uh, much yeah. were built on slave labour. built by slave labour, yeah. And they all go on holiday to Dubai, and which is pretty much when you go there and you see the Indian workforce or the Bangladeshi workforce, you're like... Do you think these are getting but the, fifteen dollars an hour? You're right. You're right in the fact that um, people are getting too much information from their phone, but also they've got too many excuses to 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 virtue signal rather than to do anything meaningful about it. So when I was a kid in my posh little life, um, when we finished school, we'd go on these gap years. Okay. And often the gap year would be like you go and dig a well in Uganda or All something. Right, so how old are you? Are you 15, 16, 17? Se- seven, just after so, uh, 17, 18. And people would go off and do some good works and live in some pretty shitty environments and learn a bit about the world. And it was a way of adjusting really posh kids out of like... You should have come to the Johns, aren't you? You'd have got a route <laughs> awakening. You could have dug a water well there. For us. I got deported from <laughs> Kenya instead, so that's an entirely different story. Um, but the... You know, now this idea that you can just have a feeling about something and therefore it's good and you've done some noble work in this world, I think it's pretty embarrassing and pathetic. So, you know, my kids, I, you know, we're getting to, you get to the point with kids nowadays where kids kind of want to be in the boss and tell you how you must behave to them according to what whatever it is that they've been told either in school or found out online. You know, it's you need something different than a phone, than your own wisdom. You need your father's wisdom or lack of, depending on whether he was a bastard father or a good father, your mother's wisdom and all that sort of stuff. You need some sort of travel of time and passage of time. And I think a caution that we're actually all really good people is is a better thing to go actually, you know, what are my, what are my blind spots? Where am I bad? And where can I improve? And I think kids nowadays are being taught that they're perfect and um, or not if you're white and male. You're taught that you're evil. I, I think this started, again, it, Peterson's been talking about the, the, the corruption of words and people in universities for, for a while. But I always remember kind of sports day at schools was politicised. They were, there was no first, second and third in the egg and spoon race anymore. Everyone got Everybody was a winner for taking part. Yeah. And so from a young age, you're saying that doing well and exerting yourself and, and uh, that competition 
is a bad thing. It, it's almost like you you don't want people to strive to be better than anybody else right out the gate. Yeah. Whereas, you know, the stronger kids are saying themselves, they grow in confidence and, and they start to take more and more challenges on because they keep getting this recognition and reward system, which says, you know, you get more attention from adults because you're doing well. Now we're saying, well, everybody should get equal attention. And that is even the, the, the misguided kids. And now you're saying to these kids who are confused, actually, you know why you're confused? Because you're the wrong, you need to do this drastic life altering <laughs> surgery and take this medication. But and that was the thing that gets me. How can you add this drastic surgery, take this medication and expect to be perfectly normal? Why would you give a mentally ill kid puberty blockers and chop their dick off? Well, again, I, mean, I, had, I looked into it because I said mental illness and, and it, it, it wasn't. It was almost like a, a disorder. So yeah, obviously they're moved, not ordered. It's moved. It was just a mental disorder. It was DSM-5 and DSM-6. Well, when I was a kid, if, if, if there was somebody um, showing those traits, that's what I would understand would happen to them. You know, they'd, they'd be kind of like, hang on. The same way if... But you mean competitive uh, boys, particularly, like school, I felt like your reaction to school was looking out the window going, he's going out there and play football mm. and that was mine as well so I felt school was pretty much designed for girls who had pencil cases and organised their shit well on the desk well the more mature and they do well with it and wanted to listen and my son uh, my little one um, is he's you know he, he tried it on with me it was brilliant he was like going what do, what do you care who wins dad and I'm like oh I just am really competitive I, I, I when I do something I want to win and he's like oh it's really pathetic you should just like enjoy playing the game mm. i went should we play some fifa and he's like yeah so i started trying at fifa and it was minutes before he's like fucking unfair <laughs> this fucking shit <laughs> <laughs> football has that effect and you? you're like <laughs> you're a competitive guy and and it's good that you want to win so i've had to instill in him against all the people that and actually god bless his um football coach who's really unwell at the moment i hope he gets better um, his football coach instilled in him a sense of, you know, com confidence and comp competitiveness and to really, you know, because otherwise if we're just going to watch such, like, oh, you can see it in films already, that films are pretty, got the standard has just got a lot lower, I've found, from, from what I used to watch back in the day. And you don't want sport to go down as well. Uh, do, do you think the standard's got lower because of kind of DEI mm. and um, obviously trying to, it's a moral lecture now. Yeah. A lot of it is a moral lecture. I've watched I watched most things um because I you know, I still love that world and I one day I want them to allow me back into it, even though I'm a transphobic, Nazi, fascist, homophobic, racist, <laughs> misogynist. Um it would be really helpful to to get back in there one day. I, I did I took a photo the other day, I'm just trying to find it now, of all the roles um in movies that have now was that it? Yeah. So Sir Lancelot, Julius Caesar, Friar Tuck, Joan of Arc, Zeus, Guinevere, like Margaret of Anjou, Sir Belvedere, <laughs> Achilles, no. and you're going, yeah, but if you know anything about where's history, my um Where's my Nelson Mandela? That's what I want to know. Well, Where's me as Nelson wandering off the island? And and again, if, if that was to happen, it, you know, and, and I get, you know, certainly when I look at cinema and film from the past, you know, Lawrence of Arabia, you know, the, all these old movies. There's a lot of um, white people pretending to be pe people of colour, so I get that. Whereas now, I think we've, you know, certainly when you're watching historical, 
um, films that have been made about true events. I think if you change people's gender and, and you just notice race, it, don't it's you? Just you just, it, it's a, it's, it bounces you out for your suspension of disbelief. Because yeah. the whole point is you want to turn on, you want to go in and watch. My ideal is like something like Top Gun. Like I, I could just watch Top Gun or Braveheart on repeat for hours just because I know what's going to happen. Someone's going to start screaming and go, it's really unfair, let's go and kill some Scottish people. I'm like, go for it. But I can't, what I can't deal with is like, um, there's a new one, I saw a trailer for it the other day and it, essentially I think it is just two gay guys falling in love and crying and having a good time and I'm like, go for it. But this is your big release. <laughs> you know, where's the swords yeah. and the machine guns? Because that's the, essentially film is escapism. Yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah. Girls want girls want romance, comedy. You know, not Barbie. Generalizing, yeah, no, that, that's what they want. And I want a bit of fighter jets and um, you know, dead rescues. Well, well, I'd seen um, I've just done the research for, for speaking to you today. I'd seen. Did you did you say something about 1917 and the Sikh oh, yeah. guy or something? Then you had to. Uh, I, I only seen it because I, I just put in. Yeah. Lawrence's controversies, just to see what you've been talking about. Yeah, I got, I got, um, they, 1917, they, I was wrong on that, actually, so, and I'm, you should be happy to admit when you're wrong, but because of that endless kind of punchy diversity, like you say, you're getting kind of someone cast who was just not... Didn't, yeah, it didn't make sense, just, yeah. That I saw Sikh Chodron, I'm like, oh, God, what the hell, what's he doing in it? And I literally said it in a, two seconds in a podcast, but, um... The charming human that is Piers Morgan decided that he would use this as a as a way of beating me around the head, and um, and it worked. But then the minute I realised I was wrong, I went, "I'm sorry." And that's so. If I'm genuinely wrong about something, I will say sorry. But I'm not going to say sorry for having an opinion. Well, isn't that that's kind of George Bernard Shaw, isn't it? You know, people who aren't prepared to change. Kind of that that famous quote is, "What's that quote now? Get it up, George Bernard Shaw." Yeah, progress is impossible without change, and those who cannot change their minds cannot change anything. Yeah. So I, I always think of where I've come from, if I, you know, and again, being 20 and 25 and 30 and 35, thinking that you knew all this, all these things, and then new information or a different conversation or a different perspective comes to light. And you go, do you know what? I felt that way for years, and now I've realised there's, there's a different way. And it, again, for me, going and doing a philosophy degree, I've only done a year of it. <laughs> It, it gave me a bit of perspective. You know, I went from being a 30-year-old footballer into an environment with 18, 19, 20, up to about 24, all different backgrounds, all trying to make their way in the world mm. when I was coming to the end of my dream in terms of, you know, I dreamt about being a, a footballer and was, you know, it's quite ageist, my you sport. quite well out of it. Once you get north of 30, you, you become, uh, your sell-by date starts to tick on you. You know, you, you're... Um, you certainly, it must be the same for actors or certainly actresses once you get to a certain yeah. age. You, you know, the, your, your best years are seen as being behind you. And um, yeah. as I say, I went back to university and, and the, doing philosophy and the, you know, the, all the debates that took place, it starts to allow me to get a bit more perspective because mm. I was fairly black and white in me thinking, you know, that's right, that's wrong. And, and what you find as you get a bit older, a bit wiser, a bit more mature is there's a lot of grey area. So when I look at you, I don't see... You know, from what I re read about you in the papers, I don't see, you know, a right-wing lunatic who's anti-immigration. I see a, a, you know, a guy who looks quite liberal, quite easygoing, I wants was. to have a nice life, wants to have a laugh and a joke, wants to have a deep psychological conversation or social context conversation, political conversation. Um, 
But I want to be connected to things that matter to me. Like I want to be connected to my national identity. You know, I don't want to fact that I don't want, you know, over stuff like immigration, I'm really happy to point out that we have more immigration in 30 years than we had in the previous 2000. So it's like, I, I think it's okay to have an issue with that. And I think it's okay to turn around and go, you know, British culture, which is a mix of lots of different cultures. You know, you've got the Irish influence certainly up in here. In certainly, there. yeah. And then, you've got, and then you've got, you know, it's a melting pot and a mishmash. But ultimately, it is what it is. And it's, uh, it's different from French culture, for example. And then if you get a mass immigration into that culture and those, and those people are turning around and saying, well, our religion's more important than your nationhood. I think that's a major issue. And I think it's okay for liberal people to talk about it as well. The problem is if you talk about it, you're immediately called a Nazi or a fascist or a racist or a right-wing right -wing bigot. That's the problem. So your George Bernard Shaw quote is, is bang on. But the thing is, that's the quote they hate the most. Because they would swap it for, progress is impossible without educating yourselves. And those who cannot educate themselves cannot change anything. <laughs> and it, the difference is, well, I'm not, I don't want to be in anybody else's life particularly. I'm a live and let live kind of liberal when it comes to that. But I've got some serious conservative values about certain things. Like I honour the fact that both of my grandfathers were wounded seriously fighting for this country. And then we see this morning the fact that the military is so diminished that they're going to, they, they're either, they're either shit posting us or winding us up going, we would draft you to the army. I wouldn't let my, my eldest son go anywhere near it. Well, I'd seen yesterday they'd said obviously less people are signing up and because obviously the, I think 82% of the population are white. Why would you yeah. go and risk your life for, for the country that ultimately hates you and doesn't give you any jobs? Because that's what we're seeing now. 75% of the people who died in, the, who died in the, uh, the first two Gulf Wars were white, working-class American men. And then you've got... Um, so they're overrepresented by 50% in the how they should be casualties so it's kind of a their duty was to go and do it and then they're called white supremacist and white <laughs> rage and all of this sort of stuff you just in the in the racism book there's just one way of breaking it down which is like if you have the word white in front of it and then you swap the word black and it sounds bad it's bad hmm. so, you know, it's white privilege well it, it, it and again i hate to go but imagine i i always have a big thing with the mobile awards because i'm like imagine that the other way around imagine we changed it was mobile awards yeah. Um, you're getting in the uh, Crew Cooks clan territory there if you just had a white-only uh, well, award ceremony. The, the N-word as well. It's like, you, I, I've got a real problem with the N-word because the minute you say the N-word, someone has to say the full word outside in their head that you're saying, and an entire music uh, portion of the music industry is built around this word, but everyone else is banned from using it. And yeah. I think, like, if you want to be directly inclusive... You should have, I don't know whether Eminem has done it, because, you know, he probably has at some point. But, you know, has he ever said that word? I mean, is there, uh, we can't, you can't use language correctly if only certain people can use certain words in language. So yeah, I think, I, 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 think um, the, I think context is important as well. Do you mean, obviously, always. Um, you know, s someone can say something to you and, and you know it's a joke. Someone can say something to you and you know it might be presented as a joke, but you know it's got a barb on it. And someone can also say something to you that you know is just an insult and is designed to uh, get a reaction out of you. So, uh, so from that regard, words are powerful. You know, they, they've got emotion. So, so when you when I say a word to you, it's attached to a feeling in your brain. So if I say to you love, you think of what that means to you. Love to you 
might mean something different to me. I'm thinking of getting some rainbow laces. Yeah, well, rainbow laces, yeah. <laughs> um, but again, it, it, you say a word to me, my brain then attaches an emotional response to that. And then, yeah, yeah. And it, uh, but actually all it is is a word. When, we, when you get into it, and again, you're probably the same as me, you've probably been given um, every insult you can possibly imagine online or in person from, you know, people singing stuff at you, saying stuff to you um, in the course of your life. And after a period, you realise, you know what, this is just words. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think there's a word you could say to me now that would offend me. Um, but then in the context of it, if you're in my face shouting and spitting at me, I, I might react differently as if you type it to me and tweet mm. it at me. Um, that was what was so pathetic about her victim state claiming any Luko's thing of just like going... I've been sat there for 10 years doing this. It's really hard now. I feel deeply unsafe. But what was even worse was, uh, was it ITV football or was it actually the FA who came up? No, it was ITV. ITV, yeah. And you're just like, fuck, guys. Yeah. You've got, you, you you know, you, you're you not representing your own audience. You don't give a shit what football fans think because whether they agree with you or not, there will be a proportion of them that agree with you, a large proportion of them as well. In the same way, sadly, probably why there aren't that many gay footballers who mm. are out is because when you've been on the terraces, you know it's not a particularly... Um, I think I've played with lads who are gay, definitely. I'm sure you have, but, but, but we also just used to sit and go, he's French, he's queer, he takes it up the ridge in a la. <laughs> so I can't well, I don't think you'll hear that in the stadiums at, uh, in the next couple of seasons, that's for sure. It's not, how does it not but, happen But again, it, 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 it's one of those things, isn't it? It's like sticks and stones. Yeah, that's a true truism. Uh, you know, and, and again, look, if, you know, it's not nice when people harass you and come and pick at your work and shout stuff at you, but what I've seen with the marches in London was a couple of guys going in and kind of Vox popping them a little bit and, and speaking to people who had signs. And mm. they were like, do you know what this sign means? And they were like, no, no, I just got it off the stand over here. I'm like, fucking hell. I know. Like you're protesting. It's almost like... They're yeah, renting uh, up there. They're 40 well, well, quid a day. Well, this is what I was going to say It's almost like they've got nothing. They don't want to have kids. They don't... They just want to drag everything down and, and, mm. and, 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 and say they've been oppressed in every way because they've you've just got no self-worth, mm. no way of... Um, uh, finding um, joy or happiness inside themselves. So they go and attach themselves out to these groups online in terms of people who, and they go, if I say this here, these value me as a member of their community. And then mm. if I, I can turn up at London, it, and you see, this is why I say it, you, you almost see it a little bit, Lawrence, in football crowds, like the tribalism. So there's almost like a, you know, Ukraine, you've got to pick Ukraine or Russia. And if you say anything positive about Russia or Putin, you, 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 you're pro-Russia and you're, you're a Nazi. Okay, fair enough. So Ukraine's the team to support. Yeah. Okay, no matter how mad it goes. Have you got and it in your not, bio? No, I should do really, Come yeah. We've got to get anti-fascist and all, yeah, all the yeah, stuff. Yeah. I'm not in there. Um, and then Israel, and all of a sudden you've got to pick a side on there. And, and it's just like... I think Israel is slightly different, and I'll tell you why. No, I'm just saying in terms of this is how these little gangs of people form, and then it's like before they know it, you know, the, the big thing why I say this, Lawrence, is this is if you're just a, a, a person of reasonable intellect. So so before you know it, it was queers for Hamas. Mm. Yeah, yeah that like, was brilliant. So, queers for Palestine. Queers for Palestine. Brilliant. Um, so, and this, this is the thing. This is just how absurd it got when I'm like, do you know if you went to a Muslim country and, and well, Palestine and started practicing what you're actually on about? That you, yeah. and for me at that point you go, okay, this is 
the lunatics running the asylum. You know, yeah. th th these are clearly not. Uh, Twitter has become like that for me in the last month because it's it can be really negative and start really. Do you read it? I don't really read I, it. I, I have to because I have to go. Am I, am I, going mad here? Because people oh, start okay. saying. People start saying to you, you know, you go mad. Lots of people, I've got a brain injury, and I'm like, so for oh, reference, yeah. I'm like, am the bike, I? The bike nonce did. But, um, yeah, I can't say that because he's trying to sue me, isn't he? So I've, I've, I've got <laughs> well, me under counsel to it. try and. Uh, I, I can say it. You can say it. Yeah. Um, bike nonce. Um, the. Uh, can you believe that went viral? It well, just caught fire, did, didn't it? Yeah. But I, man, the stuff <laughs> I've said that has got like I said, I said I wouldn't shag some bird. On, I've seen that, yeah. On. Um, telly because she was belittled male suicide and I had to find that repellent and I said I wouldn't check out and the outrage like they literally got Gordon Brown turned up on TV they, they were getting proper political figures to go on TV to go A I should never be al allowed to speak again and B it was the greatest crime since you know the Holocaust that I'd even said I wouldn't want to shout I thought hang on a minute you started me too I thought and as my backer turned around to me he said I thought they'd be thrilled you're saying you don't want to shag someone, so you're coming out in support of me too. What's wrong with these people? Yeah, I, again, I mean, I know the world's changed, and obviously, uh, but you have to be able to have a laugh. Or like uh, this, this, this yeah, is what I see at the minute. Lawrence is people are scared. If you try to tell a joke now and it's misconstrued, and people enough people take offence to it, you're done. Yeah. So I can't imagine. You know, is a, there's a guy. Um, Who's the guy? I'll have to get his name for you in a sec. Um, who's who's I, I retweeted the other day. He's talking about Jordan Peterson. And he's talking about freedom of speech, and he's giving Jordan a re-education. Uh, oh yeah, no, Tyler Fisher, the guy who goes, he was in the rainbow suit while he's doing no, it. I'll have to get it. Oh, no, you've got to see that what's one. his name? Um, no, you pull it. Just uh, keep going down. You'll see it. Keep going. Um, there's a little video, but him, this guy, yeah, Gadsad. Gad I love Gad. Right. I know him So well. he does a thing about Jordan Peterson, where he's basically saying he's going to re-educate him because this is what we want our greatest intellectuals, yeah. our greatest minds, to feel like if they make a mistake, they're going to be absolutely cancelled and vilified. Which is, you know, he's obviously poking fun at it, but he's right. He's, he's brilliant. He wrote. How can our comedians be so scared to tell a joke for fear of being cancelled? Well, it, it's the, because the the only thing that kills the woke communist woke mind virus. Well, he's written a book called The Parasitic Mind, which is yeah, a really I, 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 he, he mentions it in that. I was due to read it. And um, the only way they can get their bullshit ideas past you is if you're not allowed to mock them. So that's why there is no comedy. I mean, Ricky Gervais comes up, but I mean, I don't think I think Ricky Gervais is amazing, but I don't think he's gone quite far enough. <laughs> okay, but I thought he was, his last show was brilliant. It's just the climate stuff because the climate stuff is much so powerful. If you can scare everyone off to death about the fact that the planet is going to burn up. But I understand if you love We have to accept that. This is just me. Um, if we're all driving cars, which we are now, pretty much a, a car, a household, I would imagine in the civil, in, in, the, in the West, in the civilized West, mm. again in India and Africa, there won't be a car per household, but pretty much in the West, um, you know, certainly in, you see at least a car, a household. We have to accept that that we must have the way we are as humans and how quick we've grown and the resource that must have some effect on the well, planet. Point three, what is it? It's not point three percent of the of the the ecosphere is carbon dioxide, and the human effect on that is something like not point one three percent. So, do you believe? I, I remember growing up as a kid, food. and they were talking about the um, the ozone layer, and that we had with the uh, the odorants and stuff that we had a hole in the ozone layers. But they've now fixed it, have they? I yeah, don't know. It's, it's fixed. Amazing, isn't it? 
But, but again, so I'm, I'm thinking well, so about... we still have petrol when we were told that there was no petrol? Yeah, so I, I, I was watching something the other day where they and said um, petrol isn't... Up. We thought it was fossil fuels and these thousands of uh, fossils that have been um, under enormous pressure for hundreds of thousands, if not millions of years, and it's become... And then I, I seen a documentary the other day which says, absolutely, that's yeah. not how petrol <laughs> and fossil fuels are created. <laughs> And again, look, I, I, I wish I was an expert on it. You I'm don't not. need to be an expert no, on your own eyes and ears. I, I know, but I don't it's want winter, me and you. We, there's, there's stuff we can talk about where we've got a little bit more credibility than <laughs> yeah. kind of climate. Um, yeah. So I'm just thinking now, do you want to get a cup of tea and mm. we'll have a toilet break and, and we'll get yeah, get back to it? Um, so, yeah, look, for, for me, there, that was really interesting listening to, you, to your story in terms of myself working class northern lad from, from the outskirts of Liverpool, obviously yourself, I would class, and you'll have to correct Posh me if I'm wrong. Petty bourgeois, um, you know, if this, the, the, the elites, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have you in the aristocracy and the landed gentry, but the next tier down, the, the kind of middle class, the thespians, the thinking uh, person, yeah. and then obviously, then the next tier is me. Obviously, the the manual labourers. <laughs> um, um, and as Marx famously uh, pointed out, it is my class that is constantly exploited uh, by your class yeah. for the benefit of um, the elite class. The elite class. So, so again. You know, realistically, we should have a lot of, you know, first time we've met today, although we're aware of each other, we should not really get on and have no common ground and be butting heads on lots of issues. But the more I speak to you, the more I find the amount of um, common ground we have and the amount of agreement we're in on lots of different things. And, and again, you know, that was interesting learning about your, your old man and obviously the, the dynastic thespian family that you come from. Yeah, my, also my mum was a nurse, you know, so she was, uh, he, my dad was a really famous movie star in the 60s and... Um, what would what would be his biggest uh, films he'd be known for? The last, well, he did, he did a few. Um, the Servant is probably one of the more famous ones with, uh, and then he, which was Joseph Losey, I think, no, sorry, Pinter, and then he did... Um, he did a few American films, and then he did this movie called Performance with Mick Jagger. Okay. And um, it was directed by an crazy guy, and it was like the height of the hedonism times um, at the so end of the 60s. So 60s and 70s, so these must be like, this he is quit, flower power. Uh, and... He quit straight off that movie, and he converted to Christianity, moved to Leeds, to just outside Leeds. Um, there he is. Okay, yeah, Got I know your old man, yeah. I didn't know that Jimbo. was your dad, yeah. And... Um, he uh, he's a smart, such a smart guy. Anyway, he um, he then moved to Leeds. He met my mum, who was I still going. Oh yeah, eighty four. He's still ticking along. He's um, so he's born at the start of the Second World War. Pretty he was much born 39. in nineteen thirty nine. He had a he had a Messerschmitt crash in the field next to him when he was walking with his brother. You know, he he knows that world. So my nan's born, I think, uh, forty two. Yeah, and speaking to like my wife's. Nan and granddad are in the 90s now. They obviously think they, they were born 34. Yeah. And we had them round for Christmas dinner, talking to them. Uh, George's uh, nan and granddad were moved to a, a family for three years mm. in the countryside. Yeah. And some of it, there was I think there were seven siblings. Some never, ever went back to the mum and dad. They moved and stayed with the, the family that uh, took them on. You know, these... My, my nan was obviously a war baby born in the middle of it, and, the, and your, your dad there is born just at the uh, just before the outbreak. He just they have a different generation... Like, just a different mindset of... Yeah, he's tough. He's, he's quite tough, my dad. He turned... My mum was really tough in a... 
in a very loving way, but she was pretty tough. But we didn't grow up posh, particularly, because we didn't live in a, a posh lifestyle. And then he'd given his money, as far as I can gather, he'd given his money away and said, look, just give it to the poor people. And because I'm going to serve God for the rest of my life. And then when, once he had four kids, the, whoever had been looking after his money gave it back to him. And he then went back to acting and started earning money again. So we went back to, you know, nice sort of swanky life. In, so you had both sides of it? Yeah, I mean, it was, we're, never, we're never poor and, you know, in that way, but we certainly were hanging around with, you know, wasn't hanging around with loads of posh people all the time. When so I was so were you, was you Oxford? You Oxford you, no, I didn't get I seen the junior school or something. I there? went to Harrow. Oh, I went Harrow, to, I went to Harrow, which was kind of a weird school, like you were talking about. Um, you felt the school was to make you work well in factories. I, I thought school was to make send me off to India to run the Commonwealth or something. Do you know what I mean? I just, but I never engaged with the class system or anything because I didn't like the, um, I didn't like the fact that I was part of this acting dynasty anyway. Well, I hated well this is the thing. So, uh, I would imagine as a, as a as an actor, you would consider yourself on the left, not on the right. I'm on the left. On like I. I'm slowly turning more and more what is called right, but that's only over issues to do with individual liberty. Yeah, but is that, never... is that because the left's gone so far left that if, you, if you're not far left, you're actually they just consider anybody who's not as far left as them Well, it's, on just, the right. it's, it's such a shame because you think that there are actually some real socio-economical problems in this country and the Labour Party don't do anything about it. You know, and um, that's that's a real shame. So you, we've got this sort of mouldy, mushy uni party at the moment that tries to please everyone, which is a complete, complete waste of time. But um, I like to think that my the the reason why I knew what was going to happen roughly when I started saying what I thought, and I was coming out of a. Uh, I didn't really start speaking publicly until about twenty nineteen, and. I'd got, I think, when did I get divorced? 2015 or 2016, I got divorced. And then I started just, I was, you know, it was different. Your dynamic in a relationship is different. And I started saying what I thought. And um, I then thought, well, if I'm going to get into political stuff, then the only people that you should really be political for are the people who've got fuck all. There's no point in being political for people like me, you know, who can got booper. And, um, you know, don't have to worry about things, have gardens and shit. Yeah. When, you know, Fruit there's no point. So you just, you end up sitting there going, well, what what do the people who never get represented need? And, you know, talk for, talk not for them, but talk in that space because you've got a profile and they, you know, the fact that, the thing that really pisses them off is is that I am posh and I don't, I don't think like a posh person. See, I, I, don't think, I, don't think I don't think you're posh. I think you speak well, you're, you're eloquent, but I wouldn't clash it as like, you don't seem detached from reality, no. which, which I think, you know, posh isn't just speaking well and having a nice uh, voice and, and, and saying, you know, uh, long words. It, it's an attitude. It's a, it's a, you know, a, a position of um, almost superiority, and I, I, I don't find that on you at all. And as I yeah. said, yeah, you know, we come from diametrically opposed. You know, me being a sportsman, and um, obviously coming from kind of the north and and a, and a big Labour heartland. I think Highton, where I'm from, is the only town that's ever had a sitting prime minister. Harold Wilson was really prime minister, and the reason I think they they put Harold in in the constituency was how safe of a Labour seat it, it is, and yet. You know, this year alone, um, we've had Yvette Cooper, who's on the front, a, a Labour front bencher, Ed Balls' uh, partner. 
um, when there was a an immigrant uh, problem in the Sweets Hotel in Nosley. Um, she claimed the, the, the people were right wing because some of the uh, people who were Im immigration based people who were staying in this hotel were uh, making unwarranted um, contact with some of the young girls around the estate, 14, 15, 16. And as any parent, you know, the, the, the parents of, of the young girls being um, approached by these men um, got very angry and ended up uh, protesting. And I think it went too far. I think in the Crown Court in Liverpool yesterday, there was a couple of people uh, found guilty of aggression. But I'm like, well, what did you think was going to happen when you when you created this set of circumstances? Mm. Because I think any rational, logical father would want to protect his 14 and 15-year-old daughter from unwarranted uh, attention from... It's a, it's a proper it's a properly visceral desire to protect your kids anyway. Um, London is they've got the same well it's, you know it's different. We've still got our, the migrant hotels and stuff everywhere. I think the the idea that we hate ourselves so much as a country. The Yvette Cooper sat there with her refugees welcome, but just not welcome anywhere near my house or my. It stuff. was the Gary Lineker stuff, yeah. Yeah, you know, and Gary Lineker claiming that he suffered racial abuse and all that. Stuff. I mean, just fuck off, Gary. <laughs> Um, it, 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 these people could never ever be wrong and if you point out to them like really simple things like we have this thing called the welfare state in the United Kingdom and it's really not working very well and if we allow a million people in you're putting a million people's pressure onto a well you're putting a million people into a welfare system that's already not working very well and then if someone who misses a heart operation or misses a cancer operation because of a waiting list or something and they die and their family get upset about it and criticise the National Health Service. They're called a racist for doing so. No wonder no fucker wants to join the army. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's like, no wonder. If the country doesn't have an identity that you want to fight for and want to protect, you don't have a country. And if you don't have a border, you don't have a country. And it's just really simple, logical I mean, we stuff. Actually, we actually haven't got a border because we're an island, so we, so it should be a little bit simple mm. compared to maybe mainland Europe or other parts of the world to, to police our borders. I mean... You know, that was the big thing, Brexit and, and all the kind of um, rhetoric around that was about being able to make our own decisions, £300 million a day would be saved for the NHS, etc. And And the thing that got me about it was, was you know, the lies and now the accountability in the aftermath with it, where they've actually, you know, not been uh, held accountable for the stuff that they said they were going to deliver on the manifestos. Um, and, they and never do. They've never delivered on a single immigrate. Every single manifesto since 1997 has said... And then Conservative manifestos back to 1979, 78, 79, have said that we're going to reduce immigration, and every single government has not done that. Well, well that's the, th the thing for me was, and I was having a couple of a chat with me, old um, university lecturer and an old... Uh, he's, he's a reformed capitalist. He's going into kind of being a stoic and quite, uh, quite balanced and um, expanded his mind as he gets into his mid-60s, but he, he was a coffee trader who, who um, was definitely a capitalist. So we were chatting the other day, and immigration, I think, in the UK was, I think, 700,000, mm. illegal immigration. So of that, the people we see on the boats or whatever, and, and the, you know, the, the scaremongering that goes on around that, I think was only 30,000. Now, mm. 100 extra people or 1,000 extra people, 10,000 or 30,000 is a lot of extra people, especially in illegal immigration. But what I found was a lot of that illegal immigration is in the universities in terms of people coming over to study and overstay the visas or 
bring family members over when they're in university and they overstay the visas. So I do, I do think we have to have a sensible conversation because of, as you rightly point out, our welfare system, our health service. That our culture, it, we don't, I, I, we I, don't I, go up, we, we, do, we don't have a culture where it's acceptable to approach 13-year-old girls as they're leaving no. school and but, uh, do but, that, we just don't. I, I, I'm absolutely with you on that, you know, but also I would imagine, Lawrence, there's a lot of white groomers and paedophiles no, no, around no as well. It's not just Asians white. and, um, you know, th that, this is what I'm saying. I, I do think sometimes, certainly on social media, Twitter or, you know, when the algorithms and you're talking about a certain topic, all of a sudden you get, it starts to get really dark and stuff gets pointed at you. And it can it can become, I think you, you spoke about the other day, almost like a cognitive dissonance. All of a sudden mm. you think, oh, everyone in the world's thinking the same way as me. And actually you have to take yourself out of it. For me, I can use other social media, uh, you know, whether it's Instagram or, or actually just going to and speak to friends to try and get a different perspective. Um, Getting out and speaking to people is always great. I find it interesting. The people that stop me in the street a lot are often black families who say, thank you so much for treating us like we don't need the help of white people to get by in this world because it's really patronizing and racist to say that you know poor black people we all need to stop and give you all look after you it's like no we're perfectly good and you know we've come to this country because we want to contribute to this country or we're part of this country because we want to contribute to it but you do have cultural issues within the united kingdom so you know you, you look at knife crime in london and you, you look at the perpetrators of this stuff it's you know it's it's unavoidable that you're going to break it down into certain groups, and um, that is a tragedy. Well, well, this is what I wanted to say to you before about Vivek uh, um, Ramawashaway or whatever. He was talking. Yeah, he, he was um, he was talking about, um, as I say, many different things. But one of them being, he's never felt as a person of colour that it's been so progressive and opportunities for him, and just at the point where. You really think we're getting all the stuff we want to see out of society, more diversion, more inclusion, et cetera, more opportunities because of the crazy rhetoric that's out there and, and because of the George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter and the Antifa and the, 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 you know, the hijacking of other causes to get power. These, um, these people who are doing it are, are going to ruin the progress that has been made in the last, you know, certainly in my lifetime, I'm only 41, but I've seen... You know, it, when I was growing up, it, it, in my 20s, if someone was gay, that could have been a problem for them. Yeah. Thankfully, in my 30s and 40s, it wasn't. Now, we're not perfect. We're far from it. We've got lots of work to do on lots of different issues, and I'm, 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 I'm all for having different conversations and disagreements. But if every time we disagree, you try and cancel someone or, you know, ruin their career or their life because they don't agree with you on one topic, then we're never just a race to the bottom. Yeah. Like we're never going to get anywhere. No. Um, and, and that's what I wanted to ask you. How have you gone from being this, as I say, you, you, in terms of, I don't know whether you've read Matthew Syed's book, Bounce, about this. I so, so it'd be good for, you, for your young lad if he's, if he's a talented sportsman. He, he, I think he bastardised... Um, uh, Malcolm Gladwell's idea in, in uh, Outliers, but he talks about how 10,000 hours of purposeful practice would make you an expert in something. Again, it's a good book. It's good for kids to read well, it to see how you apply the mind. 10,000 hours, that little kid. So I'm looking at you saying, you know, obviously if you're growing up in the background with, with obviously your, your family and lots of family members who are in the thespian world, you've, you've obviously developed to become an actor. 
And then you've ended up becoming, or it looks like you're about to transition into becoming a, a figure of freedom of speech, which mm. is, which well, is I've always very been noble. A, I've always been a figure of freedom of speech because you can't make any decent acting unless you feel free to do it. You don't go on a set and go, like, in the olden days. And do you think that's getting affected now? Oh, of course, yeah. yeah. So in the olden days, I mean, it's no bad thing with some of the pervy bastards that you get <laughs> acting. But in the olden days, you used to have a sex scene and they would go, right, you know, get on with it. And you'd have a little word with the actress, usually if you're a nice person, go, look, you know, what, what isn't isn't okay. Now you have intimacy coordinators and things like that. So everything is kind of fake and not free and mm. held in. You can sense it. It doesn't feel free. There are some really good actors who get by and manage to punch through that. But that my main problem came from the fact that, you know, I, I was just, people were saying, oh, I can't say that, I can't have that, but you can't have this. I'm like, this is meant to be fucking art, guys. The whole point of art, as Shakespeare says, is to hold a mirror up to nature. So you're you're meant to be countercultural just by mm. the very existence of being a performer. And then it you, you you should be like two trains running along separate tracks and shooting at each other and you know, one of them pointing out and you know, com comedy yeah, trashing and, and all this. And then it just became one train. And it's like we're on the woke train, we gotta have look at how diverse our cast is. Look at our story. It's about an LGBTQ person, um, refugee who came in a wheelchair and is blind and has a Down syndrome child. Like, how many lists of oppressions, intersectional oppressions? Yeah, somebody's really unlucky. Yeah. But yeah. it just gets to the point where you go, I just miss Top Gun. <laughs> I miss Rocky. I miss Michelle. I miss Rocky. I feel miss, good story. Yeah. I just miss except Rocky Four because I still miss Apollo Creed. But I. <laughs> You know, I, you miss that kind of America. The whole idea of America was that you could, because it's socially fluid, and this is why the woke shit works really well, because it's socially fluid. They can't really use class to 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 knock, because you can you can genuinely go from rags to riches in America. You can yeah. you can here well, that's too. That's the American dream, isn't it? Yeah. So they had to find a way of imposing the the cultural Marxism on it, based around the fact that America is a socially and you know socio-economically very fluid nation and so is the uk so that's why it's caught on which is that you're just oppressed if you haven't managed to succeed and therefore you know this whole fat positivity movement as well yeah, just turning around and going, hang on a minute you're you're a fat cow it's like you you if i was sat around smoking crack all day no one would go all power to you son they'd go get better yeah if you eat donuts all day yeah it? what's the Sugar, difference sugar's a drug eh Sugars, yeah, my mum was good on that, bless her. She was like, she used to say when we were kids, she went, sugar's the biggest lie of them all. Fat is what you want. You want fat and more well, fat. Well, this was the thing with the kind of ketogenic diet and fat was bad for you, such, and then all of a sudden it's flipped again. And as I say, George Bernard Shaw, subject to change, new information comes to light. You know, I read a book called uh, Merchants of Doubt about the tobacco industry and how it... Um, it got all the doctors on the payroll to say, smoking's good for you, you know. It's lovely, you can start it's good smoking. for your breath. <laughs> and then obviously now on cigarette packets, you've got, you know, terminal cancer and don't do not smoke these. But then they've replaced it with, come and buy a fruity vape and this. And, and you see kids and, and, and I'm going, oh my God, we don't know the ramifications of this long term. They're bad. The ramifications are long term because I, as an actor, you have to learn breath control, as you know, in order to get out a really long speech. You can't, you have no breath control with a vape. Whatever it does to your lungs, coating your lungs in syrup or whatever it's doing, it damages your lung capacity. And I say that as a man who loves cigarettes. Well, well this is the thing. It's just a, it's a pivot, isn't it, really, from, right, we can't sell or we've got to put um, someone's 
cancer-riddled lungs on the front of the packet. That's not a really good marketing point. So we'll come up with this tutti frutti uh, yeah. thing over here. Um, and again, I mean, buy a diesel car. Oh, hang on, we're going to charge you shit ton for having well, a diesel I, I car. I always struggle with like I see, and, and my missus recycles and moves stuff across. And if I ever get anything in the wrong box, I get, I get you know that should be there. And I'm kind of Quote okay Schellenberg with that. At her. But then I'm like. I said, I watch China and India, and, and I think climate change and clean air is a first world policy. It's it's almost like we've evolved to the point where, right, what other shit can we waste our time arguing about or putting a tax on? Do you think the people who are actually in rural India or rural China or rural Africa give a shit about recycling or give no. a shit about how they need to heat the house or cook food? Give a shit and, about dinner, don't they? Well, again, it... it all the problems we run into are all, I think, a construct of being too well-evolved. Affluent and leisurely. And, and Schellenberger again, says the best thing. He says, if you want to guarantee that um, you're not going to do the planet any damage, make sure you don't put any plastic in your recycling bin. Okay. <laughs> because that is going on a boat out into the middle of the ocean and it's getting tipped off the side and it's got ended up in that big um, whereas if you stick it in, dump heap it, in the middle of the pacific or atlantic <laughs> yeah, is it yeah. stick it in the rubbish bin it'll end up in landfill and it can decompose naturally well well this is the thing isn't it in terms of you know you, know, you, you go through life and i think certainly being a father I, I, you're very selfish and you're on the hero's journey as a young person and then you'd have kids and you become uh, a different person almost if not overnight or, or certainly in the next few weeks after it where you don't become the centre of the world and you realise how unimportant you are and how much you love this kid unconditionally and how you're going to do everything to um, give it the best opportunity to be successful. And we all want to leave the planet, I would imagine, in a better place for, for our kids. Um, but also, if we're not careful, you know, we're going to... I think, you know, a global conflict now, if if you just think logically from, and again, history buff, buff um, Second World War, nuclear did bomb to, to deter the Japanese from continuing fighting on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. That was 1945. I shouldn't laugh. These were now mobile phones in 1945. So imagine what the governments of Russia, China and America, for instance, as well as the UK, France and the kind of top 10 military powers have at the fingertips now the capabilities they have it's the end of everybody so surely they don't want a global conflict and, and you then get into the George Orwell um, of there's always a war because mm. it's making money for the Forever military war. industrial complex and like when I see Sunak last week announced two and a half billion more for Ukraine and he says well we're just to the end I'm like we can't afford to look after our our own people. How can we keep sending money to these wars that let let's be honest, you know, Russia are going to come out on it's just because there's just more Russian people than there is Ukrainian people. Um and the the everybody goes along with it. No like people are more interested in criticizing you for something you've said yeah, yeah. or criticizing me for something I've said than they are about, you know, the fact that we're at Killing another generation stupid, of yeah. um, ideologies. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the the war thing is insane, certainly with um, Ukraine, because you've got to go, like, again, you don't need to do, be an expert in anything to say, what's your stated military objective? 
what, what what are you trying to do? And if it's like, well, we're going to return Ukraine to the Ukrainians, I'm like, good luck, that's ne- never going to happen. Well, they're never getting Crimea because of the naval base on the Strathsopol or whatever. We um, should, I, I think the general rule, Trump did it pretty well, which was speak softly with a big stick, didn't he? And that was, that was you know, we, the world was peaceful for four years. There wasn't, he wiped out, he, you know, he, he wasn't scared. The, the thing, deterrence is such an important value. It's an important value as a father with your children, so you don't have to, like, scream at your children because you just give them a look if they're about to do something dodge like well it's like my grandmother she only, she only has to look at you yeah the look's enough um, and as you say in there I think you know R- Rishi Sunak looks at you <laughs> you know what, what, what's he going to deter I mean, I mean to be fair to Trump I, I always remember the memes in China China but actually when you look at the stuff he was saying about hydroxychloroquine, quarry whatever it was called yeah. it turned out to be true mm. it, you know he was ridiculed for that um the world was a stable place. I mean, it does seem a bit absurd, Lawrence, if it was sitting here and we're saying Trump's the only way that well, we no, get Vivek, global v- safety. Vivek would have been good. Yeah, he's obviously not he got that it. profile, though, but he is a cool guy, Vivek. I think he'll come again for, for presidential... Um... He was definitely doing something to build it. I don't, It's not that, you know, Trump is also, by the way, he's a really nice guy. I've spent some time with him, so he's a really nice guy, and he's really warm and welcome it's just a not what you'd expect yeah and do you know i've played a couple of his golf courses up in scotland and the people i always ask and they say every time he comes here the same mm. um so you know again he, he he's a he's a, a larger than life character you know as i say it's a war on it's a war on masculinity if you think about it because what is you know a lot of the me too stuff led to this idea of toxic masculinity which is the othering of men and saying that men are in some way evil and i'm like hang on why you know my our shared relatives who were male went and gave their lives for this country so let's not forget that and you know as we see today with the potential call up of um, british citizens i don't think anyone would turn up to the draft centers would you would you go and would you go and take a bullet for this country in ukraine i certainly wouldn't um but we have a different mindset in terms of we're scousers we're kind of out anti-establishment by proxy in terms mm. of, you know, we've grown up with when I was seven, Hillsborough happened. Mm. And, you know, obviously if, if Margaret Thatcher could have annexed and cut off Merseyside and drifted it out towards the Isle of Man or Ireland, um, it, it, she would have done. Mm. You know, in, in, in all but physically doing that, she did. You know, obviously Winston Churchill famously had gunboats on the Mersey to break a, uh, a strike. Um, so, so so the North West, certainly Liverpool, um, as a, and a big Irish immigrant population has always been a bit uh, kind of anti-establishment. That's why it's always kind of been Labour heartland. But I do feel um, certainly now, after COVID, I I think they had the majority before COVID, Lawrence, if I'm honest. I think most people were like, no, the government are are, going to do the best they can. Like when you said about the House of Parliament before, I'm like, there's there's probably lots. And I've met some good MPs. I'm I'm with you. It It can be a bit of a cesspool or does look it. Because from what I gathered, people go in with great intention. I'm going to change the world and be the best MP. And then they run into reality as when you get in there, you realise all the back stabbing and all the, obviously, the votes that you've got to do in order to have any impact and, and you've got to join the club. And obviously, you go in with this big, I'm going to change the world. And within a couple of weeks, you realise I can't do a fucking thing in here so unless I, I play the game. My own pockets, yeah. And then obviously the houses are lords, lords above that. But for me, I look at it and I go, okay, 
like monarchy wise, I'm, I'm like, do we go? Are we a republic? Do we do we say okay, we're going to do? I, I'm with you on this. I'm just playing. I'm going okay. So, so we haven't voted for Sunak. It's clearly, they can put you know Liz Truss, Sunak. They can put people in charge who we haven't voted for. Well, at least the Conservative members voted for Truss, and she. Wait, she... Is, is that more? That's more worrying for me that yeah. Sunak can't win a popularity contest within his own party over Liz Truss, who is, let's be honest, she must and will probably go down as the most useful and uh, useless. Uh... Well, I don't know how she'll go down because she she tried to do something, which is rare which is to reinstantiate the idea that a right-leaning government tries to lower taxes and a left-leaning government invests in public services. And she was like, I'm going to take... I'm going to lower the tax burden. And the Bank of England, as far as I can gather, fucked her. So I don't know whether she was... You know, she's pretty sound on the woke stuff as well. But, yeah, I mean, you know, she... The famous line is that she lasted not as long as an iceberg lettuce in office. But then to be replaced by this unelected guy, Sunak, mm. who's then on a plane to Slava Ukraine every five minutes. Whenever whenever anyone gets bored of net zero, he's on the plane to Ukraine to go and drum up some more like public fever. And as you say, these phones are so bad because you're the algorithm and just like, what, what, what can we be pissed off about next? is no good for our health, which is why I was interested to know whether you sort of engage with your responses, because I very rarely do. I've got my settings on something, and I can't remember, someone told me how to do it, so I, I really only see, if I, have, if I have a little scrap look at responses, I think it's only from people that I follow or people that follow me, so I think I'm even more in that um, goldfish bowl, you know, that echo chamber, but I don't really bother with responses because I don't think Twitter's a Twitter's a place where I want other people to talk rather than me and I noticed that about what you were saying you were just saying fuck this this is shit um in a more articulate way and I don't um, think it was it was, it was, it that, was that kind of, of that. tone <laughs> and then big conversations start and then they yeah. go they go very quickly it's like well he's obviously got a traumatic brain injury doesn't he and it's yeah. like been dropped on his head as a kid <laughs> at what point does yeah. having a different view mean that I'm brain damaged I can't call you brain damaged because you've chopped your son's cock off yeah. but you're allowed to call me brain damage because i don't agree with your narrative on female commentators and that's the thing isn't it i think once people realize like that you're not th their argument falls down like when i've been attacked no one's actually attacked my argument they've just attacked me and yeah. other, other people attached to me they haven't actually attacked anything i've said well you're a threat to them now though because you're not because uh, you it's very clear the thing that they hate out of all of it they hate the opinion the counter opinion so you're not just going oh my god the, i've just seen the best most wonderful inspiring female commentary ever and i'm so moved god bless the lionesses you've got the wrong view which is you like to look at things and have your own view but the worst part and the part that they're going to make your life hell for is the fact that you're not going to apologize for it and go back you're going to yeah. say i'm going to say what i think and i'm allowed to say what i think the, the values this country is built on the fact that people can say what they think if you don't like it, that's cool. We can have a discussion. Well, that's the thing, though, isn't it? Think, like, I'm, I, 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 there's no way they can... How are they going to stop? I don't work for anybody. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, the problem they've got is, luckily or unluckily for them, but luckily for me, at the, uh, I, I swam on the gravy train of being a footballer. Um, I also live quite frugally in terms of, you know, I've kind of been through, earning a lot of money, having notoriety, 
and then gone, this is important, that's not important. Wasted a load of money and then gone, okay, right, now made a couple of decent investments on a big percentage of a startup bank in, in the kind of new space and obviously a gas and electricity company. The, the, them on their own would, would make sure my life as a working class man from Liverpool is, is better than what it started. Mm. And then obviously you've got your, your, your football investments off, off the back of that. So, you know, for me, I live, as I say, relatively comfortably and can do for the next 40, 50 years on what I've got. Mm. I don't need more money. Right. I don't need to be famous. I don't need influence. I don't want anything off anybody. What do you, what, say, what do you want then? Um, I, I want to do good because I didn't ask for this notoriety. I didn't want to be famous. I just wanted to be a footballer. And Would I, you walk into the parliament? I, I don't think it's for me. I don't think it's for me. That, that was the best look. Because, so, you know, I want to make change and I, I realise that is just a, you know, you want to affect policy because I think that is the only way we make change, you mm. know, for good, you know, whether that's, you know, um, you know, putting a, a you know, a, a certain quote if we say, look, I, I'm all for immigration. I think immigration in any society is important because you bring a, a person here who is coming from an underprivileged country and you put them in a classroom and they, they have a tenacious appetite to work and want to do well for themselves because they realise how great the opportunity is. I think that's a good message to send. If you bring people here and you say, actually game the system, cheat the system, and you will be rewarded. Actually, you know, there's veterans sleeping rough and homeless and not getting any yeah. welfare. Um, and yet we're bringing people in, people are getting in illegally and getting... Who are throwing all, their documents over the side of the boat on the way in. And also, you know, you know, saying they're a different age, et cetera, basically gaming the system. Now, for me, illegal immigration is is wrong. Now, if if we've got 30,000 coming in via boat and we've got 670,000 in via university or overstaying visas, I think we have to have a sensible conversation about that. But that doesn't mean we have to do away with, you know, if there's refugees out there and, and legal immigration yeah. and... and, and, and and giving people, you know, an opportunity. But I do feel that should come with a caveat, a caveat of you've got to, you know, whether I've seen a, a manifesto the other day, whether that's you've got to work in this country for five years before you're entitled to welfare or, you know, like, you know, or, or maybe a points-based system like um, Australia and the, well, the states got, have had in the past. They've got one, but you can't get through it. But you can't, <laughs> what you can't do is have the clown world of the conservative guy going, we're going to stop the boats. And by the way, you can now work as an while you're waiting for your asylum stuff. Yeah. It's like, there's got to be, I mean, look, in an ideal world, we would take in immigrants. But if you think about it, if you've got an uncontrolled, unfettered immigration problem going on. I've got, just pull up immigration. What's net immigration in the UK? It's important we know this, because I thought I it was 700,000. It was a million last year. In or out, we're a million up. In, but we had a, th I think, I can't remember what went out, 600. So Brexit was meant for us to take control of our borders, yeah. wasn't it? It's amazing how they lie so much. The Migration Observatory, who who funds and backs that? Anyway, but the point is, the difficult, there's the two problems with uncontrolled, unfettered immigration, other than the welfare state problem. One is that you're, the, you're bringing in another generation of, quite poor people who are going to be scrabbling for even less of a pie because you've got so many who've come in the year before. So they're fighting amongst the other more 
desperate and wanting people in this world to get more than they want. And the other problem is you've got fucking... Um, why are we stealing all their doctors and nurses? Surely we should be going... I mean, I'd rather increase foreign aid to certain places and make those countries better so that people want to live there rather than going, we'll completely remove all borders from across the whole world, which is because borders are going to be called racist very, very soon. We're within three or four years of anyone even saying the word border is a massive racist. You know, to, to, to hold on to the national identity... And, you know, once these people have come in, worked in the health service, done some amazing work, and I literally, when I had my neck done, I was treated by, there wasn't a, a single natural-born English person there, and they were just, their care was beyond brilliant, is to, like, go, well, how can we get you to in increase the joy of and the human flourishing in your own countries rather than just nick everybody and go, we can't be asked to work. I mean, I've been up to certain places when I, you know, just walking around um, as I go around England trying to find out what's wrong with this place. And you go up to somewhere like Durham and they shut the mining industry down up in Durham. And we got really amazing coal in this part, in this part of the world. And the kids out on the streets who are, you know, jobless, a lot of them, getting wasted, a lot of them, they don't have a job. There's no... It's been so long since they their parents have had a job that no one can train them to do the great skilled work that used to be done in the in the heartlands of this country up up in the north, and we've just abandoned entire communities. So you you do that, you combine that with the fact that their only fucking hotel that they can have a wedding in is now occupied by people on freebies. You can see where that, that's a tinder, tinder box. Yeah. The tinder box. And, the, and Rishi Sunak doesn't give a fuck because all he cares about is where, where he's getting his next pair of Prada loafers from with his wife worth £12 billion. Yeah. It's like it doesn't... You've got to have someone who is running the country who doesn't... Who has a... Who has a it's like, it's like the coal. It, it, it's reported or alleged to have about £500 million into Moderna, wasn't he? Sunak's wife mm. or a company, which is... Surely a conflict of interests. Um, yeah. And again, um, you know, the fact that he isn't elected and the fact that he's given away more of the public bursary to foreign wars, for me, is... Um, I, I, I don't know how it happens. Certainly when you're nan... Because there's you no can't Labour put Party. heating on and, and, and people are petrified of where they're going to get the next meal from and food banks. But where's yet, the Labour Party on, the, on these issues? Like, Keir Starmer is more right-wing than... Sunak. Well, I worry about Starmer. I worry about certainly being a, a Labour voter in the past. Um, Sir, Kia, public prosecutor, flip-flops. and uh, But again, Labour are surely going to win by a landslide. No-one's going to vote for the Tory party, certainly. Um, I think they'll stay at home, the Tories, but I think they won't stay at home as much as you, as you expect. But the thing is, Labour has a... There are so many things about left-leaning politics which are great and I love because you know for example you wouldn't have um the destigmatization of homosexuality if you hadn't had a Labour government help bring that in and I think it's much better yeah. much better for society that we don't hate gay people I think absolutely it's, yeah. so but uncontrolled in the same way as you've got uncontrolled immigration is a bad thing uncontrolled um Progressivism is a bad thing, and it needs to be tempered by conservatism. Well, this is the argument, isn't it? So, so we know the right can go f too far right. History attested mm. that many, many times. 
And the left at this moment in time, for I think for most rational men, you know, certainly I think just talking about the women's commentating on the men's game has, has touched on a wider issue across society. I think the left has gone too far left. It it's it's become absurd. And again, I don't wish to make this the crux of it. But amongst other things, one of the big factors is if we can't differentiate between a male and a female, which is quite a simple um, thing, you know, to differentiate between. What chance do we have of getting into the really complex and nuanced arguments that? we are going to have to have as a society and as a civilization in order to leave our kids an opportunity to to keep the world progressing um it will go it'll get you know the the trans thing is going to be looked back on in horror uh and that that's i don't think that's a mile off i think well, well i said so, so 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 why and i hate to cut you off there mate right because i seen a, a lady a man class a ladies golf tournament and it was a, a, a man who transitioned, Windsor, and they're saying women, golf winner, blah, blah, and there's been a bit of an uproar around it. I don't know her name. Can you get that up for me? No. Who's yeah, it? this is it. It's uh, Hayley Davidson, transgender golf. But that was woman the other day. It's changed now to transgender because of the back, backlash. Yeah, they get So my thing is, look, no matter what we think, so if, if, we, if we just do a thought experiment here, so Hayley Davidson, golf champion, she goes on to be the best women's golfer ever and she wins all the majors in the women's game. Fantastic, great story, thumbs up, brilliant. And we all accept that as a society. And then Hayley gets buried because, as, as we all do, we all are finite and we'll pass away. And she gets buried. And in 2,000 years, this future civilization of ours um, stumbles across Hayley's gravestone and goes, Hayley's in here, let's... And they end up digging her up, and Jeez. and they, and, and they um, they go. This is the female golf champion of champions. Actually, this this is a man. That's chromosome, DNA level on the bones. Like it's it's a man. Yeah. They'll think we're ludicrous. Well, <laughs> like we we're absurd, and actually we are. We are fucking well, absurd. we are because I mean I thought it was Colin Montgomery when I first saw him, but it's, obviously Haley. It's good. Um, it's, it does have a bit of a Colin Montgomery look. Um, I think that, that, that this is on the way out. The trans thing's on the way out. It it, it was a, it's a precursor to the transhumanist thing, which is that's on the way in for sure. But I think this this sort of mutilating people, chopping their arms to make fake dicks, all of that is that's on its way out. Yeah. And weirdly, I think the two and a half billion for Ukraine and the sudden uptick of let's go. You and, know why it's on its way out and, though. Why? Because it doesn't make any fucking sense. No, no, it doesn't make any money. Because what it was brought in as right. making money, obviously private medical in yeah. America, hormones and all the stuff, obviously the surgery, but also the hormones yeah. and all the tablets you have to the take. The lifelong treatment you've got to and take. And then to stay obviously alive. lots of people have had it. And now what's happening as they do in America, they get very legitimate. I mean, I know some of the cunts that we deal with get legitimate here. Yeah. But in America, they're very much uh, down that suing and lawyers, lawyering up path. Yeah. And what's happening is now is lots of people who've had the surgery are going back and suing the companies. Yeah. So it doesn't make any financial sense anymore. And as soon as these don't, you know, you go woke, you go broke, and then eventually it gets binned. I can tell you a story about a big car manufacturer in this country who went woke and the the... The, the factory line started breaking down because the women weren't physically strong enough to, to do the jobs. So they ended up having to... And, and eventually when the factory line stops and stalls, the car company stops making money. Yeah. And after a few months of that, 
enough money was lost and before you know it diversity in equality or equity, equity. Yeah. I, I, I thought it was equality I'm going to no, keep equality it's so, it's so <laughs> it's important. Important. It's and inclusion good. fuck them anyway I couldn't give a fuck what, what they term it as soon as you put any anything that sounds FBI CIA <laughs> it, it's just for me there, straight there away is, I'm like yeah this, yeah, what the, is what's, this what, what's this uh, version of nonsense that you're on about now and again, you know, I think future civilizations, if they are smart enough not to blow themselves up with, with the nuclear capabilities we clearly have, mm. I think they'll look back on this period and go, fuck me, they really lost their marbles there. Luckily for them, there was a few black sheep, a few dissenters who resisted. And as I say, I'm 41. Mm. I didn't think I'd live this long when I was younger. I didn't think I'd make it into my 40s. I thought I'd be dead by this point. Um... And the fact that I'm not, I think, well, if I die tomorrow, because I'm becoming quite stoic now as I, as I approach me, uh, the middle part of my life, then I'm, I'm cool with what I've done. I'm, I'm fine. I've got four kids. I've, I've, I've saved me purpose as, a, as an animal. I've, I've recreated my genetics. I love people who say that. I, it's, it's my happiest relationships I have with people are people who say, I feel like I've done my bit. Uh, you know, especially yeah. men. Yeah. Well, you know, if, I'm, yeah, if you've brought yeah. life, you know, I've got three boys and a girl, so my name, yeah, if, 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 what the fuck that means, but the, the genetic code that I was given is passed on and hopefully with a, a better opportunity to do good than yeah. what I had. I mean, I haven't always done good, but I think See, on the whole... that's what you want to increase, though. That's what well, drives me so mad. Well, this is isn't it? It's we like, have to have this. You've got... You're living in a world where... Everyone's just whining about how upset they are that, you know, there aren't enough trans lesbians in the National Health Service. But actually, you're just going... I said this in court the other day because I was doing this court case where someone I, someone called me a racist and I called them a paedophile in response. And I was sitting there turning around to this woman and saying to this lawyer and just saying, why are you, we permanently obsessed with what's wrong with everybody, why can't we look at the United Kingdom and go, fuck, we've come a long way and we've done really, really well. And obviously, as you say, there's more there's more work to be done, but we're looking under every rock for something else to be upset about. And it's just, it's pathetic. So I think this trans thing will go. I think, the, I think parents will want to take back what's going on in schools. And I do think that um, the wars are directly linked to the net zero. Because I don't think that people are buying the net zero bollocks. I think they're, they're getting their electric car. They cost too much money. They're being told, they drive it somewhere, they've got to queue up, have a fight to charge the thing. Takes half an hour. It's crap. doesn't work. Everything breaks. They're not good. And then you just watch this guy go past you in an old Ford... Um, yeah, diesel Mondeo car. diesel. Well, this like, is the problem, isn't it? You get all woke and, you, and, and electrical cars, but then they're not mentioning the cobalt mines and the stuff where the batteries... No. Uh, uh, slave labour is used or child labour is used in order to, to manufacture. The, it makes the, it all feel better. And again, it is. It's the ultimate virtue signal, isn't it? It's, it's like, um, like remember you were flying on a plane and they'd offer you, a, do you want to offset your carbon footprint mm. as well as pay the exorbitant price no. for the ticket? I'm like, and again, you know, if China and India and, 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 the, and the third world big populations don't, decide to uh, get on the recycling and, and, and the same net zero programme as the rest of us, then it's going to be it's a waste plant, of time. It's plant food, man. Carbon dioxide so, is plant food. So how, how do you go from, as I say, <clears throat> you know, the 
the reform party? Did you stand in the, in the London election did, to be mayor? I did. I did. I'm reclaimed. So reclaimed. So Ticey's reform. Yeah, I stood for London mayor last time, and um, I got. I thought I was really pleased with how I did. I got like. 60,000 votes. So first. how many... I've seen Sol Campbell, an ex-player I played mm. with at Newcastle. Love Sol um, Campbell. Big Sol. I've seen Sol go for London Mayor. That was one of the big things he had when Sol said he couldn't get a job as a footy coach. I'm like, yeah, because you were poncing about trying to be fucking London Mayor for five oh, years. Who was it Sol who was saying he couldn't get a job as a footy coach? Yeah, he, he got a couple of opportunities, but they were obviously way below where his, his playing ability was at, which is but most of us. just because you're a really good player doesn't mean you're a really good manager, does it? Well, I think the thing for... No, not necessarily, but obviously, you know, I think Sol's, Sol was an elite-level defender and thought he'd get a higher chance in terms of, like, Lampard's first job, I think, was Derby County. Stephen Gerrard's was Rangers, Glasgow Rangers. Yeah, yeah. And I think Sol's was Macclesfield. So, obviously, because Sol's of colour, then it's like, well, why... Do you why think did... that was the reason? No, absolutely not. I think mm. because Sol was poncing about trying to get the London mayor and I think he was going out with a famous or married to a famous uh, interior designer at the time. He was being quite political. Mm. And for four or five years, that was what he was trying to do. And then... That was after he retired, and then all of a sudden he didn't get London mayor, and then he decided he was going to be a football coach. And Sol's a bit peculiar anyway, in terms of you know he's a lovely guy. I get on, I got on fantastic with him. I've always got on well with Sol, but he's different. He's a right character, and I would imagine if you've had five years out of the game and then tried to come back into the game, your credibility and your standing is probably not where you would expect it to be. And I think he suffered off that. And then mm. when you play the victim card, which I think people go, ah, oh, fuck off. Mm. You know, that's what I think. I think most Especially rational Especially when someone's been picking up 60, 70 grand a week for a long period of time. Yeah. I, I find the whole, it's really hard. I, the thing I feel sorry for about footballers is the fact that you have to, like you were describing, there's so many things you just can't do. Unless you're Tony Adams and you wrap yourself up in cling film just to burn off the booze from the night before. But That was that was, that was their generation, or that yeah. was quite common for their generation. You but could get away with it. That idea that um, that you, you know, there's a lot of things you have to sacrifice to in order to get to the top, and then you're just discharged in your sort of mid late 30s if you're lucky it, that must be that must be horrible emotionally it, and psychologically that's not it, no. for me honestly I know where you're going with it that is it, it's the ones because we make it so it's the ones who do all of that and then don't make it late so so like either they get a bad injury at 18, 19, 20 or mm. just when they make it or the ones who you know for whatever reason do all, put all that sacrifice and hard work in and then just before you know you you know, as I say, 16, 17, 18, it doesn't quite go to plan. For us, like the guys who've sacrificed loads and got the rewards, obviously the the, the end point is worrying, like the end of anyone's career. Like for us, we start out at a young age and by the age of 35, we're pretty much, if you know, as a player, if you get to 35, you've, you've had a good career. Obviously some lads go a bit longer, some lads are curtailed with, you know, whatever mm. throws at them. And then we've got to kind of reinvent ourselves and being really good at football. Some people don't know why they're really good. They're just good at it. Mm. They can't um, coach and manage and do that because they don't have the skill set required. And people think just because they've been a good footballer, they're going to be a good manager. And, and, and most of the time that's not true. The problem then is how do they reinvent themselves? Like a lot of footballers then at the end of the career, like high ridiculously high divorce rate 
and it's some of the stuff that's been labelled at me by the Guardian and the, and the class uh, war that's kind of currently attacking me is, you know, most footballers can't be trusted with their own financial investments and loads go bankrupt. So pretty much, you're a working class, you're a thicker fuck. Even if you're earning a few quid, you half of it you're paying. You know, through my career, I think of all the money I've earned, fifty percent of it, pretty much forty five percent of it, has gone back to the government in tax mm. and national insurance. Yeah. So whenever they go to me X Y Z, and I'm like, well, you want to play? You want to pay Harlan nine hundred grand a week because that means four hundred fifty grand a week. Nine hundred grand a week. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, but but four hundred fifty grand a week of that is going to. Yeah, no, no. When I when the when they were getting when the nurses were getting angry with me during COVID for partying, and uh, I was like, I've just had twenty friends around and we just had a real blast. Great, <laughs> I hugged everyone. It was an absolute lovely time. And then this nurse would send me a picture of her face, kind of. With the mark in from Prince, yeah. from her face mask, she said, "I just held the hands of someone who died from COVID," and I went, "Well, I pay your salary," and they really don't like it because you turn around and you go, "You're giving up a, a problem which isn't that bad." Everyone knew pretty soon that COVID wasn't as bad as that they said it was. I knew it. I called COVID as bollocks the first day I was told someone told me it was coming. I was going out with a journalist and. Um, she phoned me up and she said, "There's this virus coming to the UK and it's going to kill seven between seven hundred and fifty thousand and a million people." And I went, "Bollocks!" She went, "What do you mean bollocks?" And I went, "The airports would be closed. Everything would be closed right now, and we'd all be locked in our houses now." If that but, was going to happen, yeah, global travel. If the million British people were going to die, they would stop well, it. Well, this thing, Lawrence, I, I won't name his name here, but there's a guy I know who, who was. Uh, Involved heavily in stopping the Ebola spread in Sierra Leone, I think. Um, and I, sp I spoke to him relatively early on. He's quite high up in the military. And he was like, no, th they'd been tasked, I think, at the time with insulating the Chelsea pensioners, you know, basically mm. closing them off for fear of if it, if COVID comes through here, we're going to lose a lot of the, um, the old war veterans. Um, and he said, look, this is something different. Like, So I listened to him in terms of, you know, I didn't want to, spread the disease, didn't want to kill anyone's nan and granddad, you know, mm. had vulnerable people who I was close to, etc. And I think most decent people then listened and went, okay. Um, as I say, I caught COVID, I think early March I got it and lost my smell and taste for 10 days. It was a little bit heavier than the flu. But obviously then um, your body kind of naturally fought back to that. Um, and he's, the guy who I would listen to is a military guy who's been involved in um, serious uh, virus yeah. uh, pathogen outbreaks. And he's a good person. And, and I was like, okay, if, if he's saying that, there's something serious here. And then the more and more it played out, for, for me, a big thing was when they said about the vaccine, how quick they were rolling it out. I'm like, that, that's not... They That's not normally right. what happens, but even also, you know, the experimentation. Chelsea, protecting Chelsea pensioners, isn't, that was worth doing because COVID was really bad for Chelsea pensioners. Yeah, it wasn't bad for anybody else. Yeah, I, I, so, so obviously then what happened was when, when they came and they said, for, for me the big one was when they said, look, you can take this vaccine, but if anything happens, like you can't come back for us. I was like, well, firstly, I didn't, I'm not against vaccines in terms of I've had plenty of vaccines yeah. in my life. I'm not against putting stuff in my body, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, as an athlete, an ex-professional athlete, we get heavily drugs tested. So I've always been really, really careful about what products, what supplements, what food I eat, contamination, because we can have our careers taken away from us if that's the case. 
Now, if there's enough information and research, I've had the flu jab, I've had you know vaccines in school. Um, if I went to Brazil or India or China yeah, or yeah, Africa, I would take you know the vaccines to stop myself getting malaria or any um, uh, pathogen out there. But with this virus, I just was like, this doesn't make sense. And then having it myself, natural antibodies in terms of fighting it off, I thought, well, from what I understand about vaccines or, or certainly the flu virus, I don't need this now to stop me. And the more and more I watched it go on, I was like, oh, my God. And then, it, you know, luckily, thankfully, I didn't get vaccinated. Mm. But it wasn't because of the initial um, wave, because initially I wanted to... Help out. I didn't want to kill someone's nana granddad. I wanted. To, that, I think that was most people, the, by the way. But that's horrible because that was the fucking lie, wasn't it? It was. That was the lie. It was. They immediately went straight into nudge unit propaganda brainwashing and divided the country against each other. I would. Everyone in my family has difficult political viewpoints. Like there's people who are really left wing. There's people, you know, and none of us had it. We never even discussed it. My 84 year old dad didn't have it. My mum. God rest her soul, didn't know it. They were desperate to try and swab her after she died to say, you know, can we maybe stick her on the list for COVID deaths? It's like, fuck off. Yeah. I just knew it wasn't that bad because you have an innate sense. I can see why that guy went and protected the pensioners. That's fine. But you have an innate sense of danger. Human beings have an innate sense of danger. And you just knew that if it was that bad, they would have shut the whole world down. Like that. Well, that was the thing, wasn't it? It was the, um, as I say, you're watching America. I was watching, obviously, Chris Como before it got shut down. Uh, Fauci was on. Uh, obviously, Trump was doing his China and... Uh, China. Yeah, China. China. China virus. He, he was doing his thing. And, you know, at, at the time, you, you know, you're watching the rest of the world to see how they're reacting to it. Jakinder Ardan was obviously in New Zealand getting quite uh, forceful with the, with the population. And, as I say... I, just watching that over time, seeing obviously Ardan's run for the hills now. Um, you know, Pfizer is under heavy pressure, certainly. In she's the, back, and, isn't she? It's an she, got married, doing... she got married last week or a couple of weeks ago, but she's she's basically resigned from prime minister and ran for the hills. Um, she's now part of the Tony Brown Institute, isn't she? Well, yes, or she's WF, taking a seat. Is it at, WF? She's taking a seat somewhere like fucking Harvard or somewhere. Like well, that. she's done incredible work for the for the vaccination people, big pharma. So you know, obviously, yeah, she must have been on a few shilling to get them for services to. Global communism, thank you. Yeah, and, and that was the thing. She was celebrated as she's the female world leader. Look how well she's got her country under control. Look at what happens if you don't obey the rules in New Zealand. And she was really held up as... We're the only source of trusted news you can come to. That's what she said. <laughs> she said, you don't need any news from anywhere else. Yeah. You can get it from here. Yeah. Elon must spent £44 billion so that people like us can have an opinion. I mean, well, uh, do, 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 I was going to talk to you about that. Do you think... For me, that is a that is a big like Twitter is a bit toxic, you know. If you, if, if, if you, you read it, it is yeah. You know, well, again, it, you know, it's, you can use any like any tool. You can use it for what you need to use it for. I, I believe it's important, and certainly I didn't realize I was going to start conversations, but I've realized now me having an opinion is sparking these conversations. So if you noticed on my Twitter bio, I changed it from. Uh, it was comedian for the last couple of weeks because I'm like, can we not have a laugh here? Like everyone's taken. If I say. Somebody in a, in a poor analogy it reminds me of a couple of serial killers that take like obviously sports minister and nonsense coming off it, and I'm like, can you not see it was a fucking joke? Yeah, um, and I knew that it. Would, I knew it would annoy was... them. I didn't realise at that level. But that this confected outrage thing, 
I find so boring about it. Like, I I used to get upset about Twitter. Like, I can remember the first time someone said something mean to me and I was really upset about it. I was like, it's really painful. And now people say all sorts of shit to me. But that um, Fred and Rose West thing is like the confected, fake confected outrage that the newspapers try and drum up. Like, we just can't, I can't. Yeah. It's like me saying I don't want to shag them. It's like, I'd go into any pub in the whole of the country. I'd, there's someone would say, you need to get your eyes tetted. She's really beautiful. And, you know, you missed the trick there. But um, ultimately, this this idea of the fact that they're losing to common sense and to good, strong opinions, which is why I admire you for standing up and actually fucking saying something, because a lot of people don't. And, um, you know, they have an easier life as a result of it. But they're losing on this bullying people to agreeing with them stuff. And so they're now resorting to fake and confected outrage. So it's like, I can't. Like, I woke up the morning after I'd said on GB News I wasn't going to shag her. And um, my missus had sent me a message saying, don't open Twitter. <laughs> so I was like, all right, open it. And I saw like, I'm trending and got millions of stuff. And I'm just sort of reading through it. And then I was like, what did I say? I watched the thing that I did. And I went, yeah, that's fine. Uh, I've similar experience when I tweeted about the women's game. They shouldn't have any authority. I'd been playing snooker, had a couple of pints, and I just I, I, I just tweeted, and then I got up the next day. I was like, "Oh fuck's sake!" Twittered the same, and then I thought, "I actually believe what I've said." Like, I know, I that's, I was like, so I had an opportunity there to either back out of it, and obviously my phone was blowing up. Peers, all them kind of people trying to get in contact, and I'm like, no, nah, actually, we'd been talking about it a couple of weeks before, mm. and I said this will be the this will be the flexion point that that that'll actually it'll knock the lid off the volcano, mm. and and as absurd as it sounds, it's going to be about women's commentary on men's footy, because mm. it's almost like this just invasion of everything, and like if you go hang on a minute, that that's not right. It's like we need to get rid of him because he's he's opposed. They're going to try and get rid of you, though. I mean, they're going to yeah. try. They're going to spend the next. If if what happened? I mean, they've tried to get rid of you before because, you know, I just my knowledge of you prior to this was, um, you know, like the Scouser Roy Keane. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Just yeah. like okay, mate, but with a with a nicer touch when it came to like some of your longer range goals. I think no. I think you've but, been incredibly kind but, to but me. But it, um, it was it was like that you were you were not a meathead, but you yeah, were like a snarler, you, you like were a, a competitive yeah. Little yeah, little footballer. Cool, yeah. And then I did yeah, I did know about the sporting chance thing that you'd obviously been going through some stuff. And then for you to pop up again and um, start dealing with these issues. I think this is where the, the future will, will be. We don't want, what I've worked out in my four years of this crap is that A, they won't stop this, make your life more and more miserable because they hate it. But the movement is not gonna be a political one. It's gonna be people like you, people like Tommy, who everyone has been slagging off for Britain. You know, oh, Tommy Robinson's terrible. Mm. I always used to say to people at GB News, let me interview the guy. Let's see what he says. Don't just slag him yeah. off and say he's cancelled. And um, I know Tommy, and he's not an asshole. He's, you know, he's got a kind of got way about him. Well, he must be on the back foot. He's, he's constantly under attack, isn't he? They're it? trying to destroy his life. Yeah. I, I don't blame him. Um, and I think what will happen is there will be little pockets of people, and the Neil Olivers, you know, the people who are really softly yeah. spoken but still have hearts of real 
powerful hearts are going to be the people that deal with this problem. Well, I think Katie Hopkins is. She's great. Faced yeah, it, sorry, yeah. Katie as well. Um, yeah. And that's what I've found. Like, I met a girl. I thought I was going to get ambushed by her on piers when the when the three ladies came on. It was a girl called Pearl uh, Davis from Pearly Things or something, and she's like an anti-feminist and fascinating. Like these, and she was talking about red pills. She, I was like, look, I'm new to the YouTube. Yeah. I haven't got a fucking clue, really. I'm a footballer, football manager who's ended up used Twitter a long time ago and caused a bit of chaos and then stepped away from it because it wasn't beneficial to the profession I was in. Mm. Since I've come out of that profession, I'm like, what the, what's going on in the world here? And then being a father and somebody who has a social conscience, I'm like, if someone's spouting shit, we need to say, take no fucking notice of them. Courage. Um, and if we do that, it's, it's this, as I say, I'm not wanting to solve it. I don't think we need to go through the world trying to solve stuff. But again, you have to point out, I think, injustice or certainly fascism when mm. you see it. And when I see people trying to ruin your life or Katie Hopkins' life, or Tommy Robinson's life or anybody's life who opposes their ideology, then I'm, I'm all for the underdog. I'm like, nah, fuck you. Yeah. And the more you try and put me in the ground, the less likely I am to back down to you. And um, always they overreach as well. So they just they just make you more and more powerful. The so by the amount of the amount of people, my haters, which um are Guardian journalists in the main. They hate me, yeah. I'm hated in there. It's um there's one Guardian journalist called Marina Hyde. Okay, yeah. Who I think she went to school with my sister. And she's a very well off socialist, you know, typical Champagne. And I she writes an article, and I don't read it, but I, she follows me on Twitter as well. So I just DM her back, and I go, I, I'm never going to shag you. <laughs> <laughs> or it's never going to happen, babe. And it, it makes them so angry that the next day they write another article about what an asshole you are and how an unreconstructed, dreadful man. And so I quite like comedy. The shag comedy I've always liked anyway because I like carry-on movies, and I like comedies when they used to be funny. <laughs> So I think it's quite funny to do all of that stuff. And the confected outrage I can deal with, but the more you just refuse to apologise for being yourself, you know, in the old Oscar Wilde, be yourself, darling, everyone else is taken, mm. thing, the more animosity you're going to get, the more you're going to be called, you know, like I imagine your, your new brain damage that you just got <laughs> because you don't agree with Jeremy Vine about being a bike nonce is that it'll be more and more and it'll become a trope. So it'll be like, oh, Joe Barton's actually, you know... Oh, they've started it, yeah, Have they sure. started, like, for, uh, when uh, you're see, blinking? I, I'm all right. Like, I don't mind this because I'm like, OK, the stuff you're now labelling me as is less offensive than the stuff you've been labelling me as before. So you actually help, weirdly, by claim, like, the more they attack me, the more absurd their, their attacks are. Like, that's the big problem with me is they've they, made but, me a real enigma. Yeah, and they because, can't get you either because well, you're... they've had to write about me talking about music or politics or art, or, and it's like, but how can he be, like, I can't be a Neanderthal at the same how time. How can he not yeah. think what I want him to think? Yeah, and, and again, I've worked for them. So, so this is the problem because I, I don't know whether you find this, and this was, touches back to what you're saying about walking around the street. So When people meet me, they expect me to be a certain way, and everyone I meet, I always say it like a human retweet, they're like shocked, like actually he's alright, it's like when we meet you, the lads here, they're like, what a geezer this fella is yeah. it's because 
of the nonsense that's spouted about us. And when people actually meet you, they're like, and then there's the other side of that, which is all these prim and proper and, and, and the people who do um, fit their agenda and do, um, you know, do their bidding. When you meet them in reality, like, I don't want to name names. We were at Glastonbury one year and we ran into um, a celebrity off like a, a, a B or C list programme. And he was behaving like he was like an A-list Hollywood actor. And we were, he, he didn't know us. That's how, like, he didn't know I'd played and my mates. And we were pretending he was more famous than what he was. And we were big fans of the programme. And he was so arrogant, dismissive towards us. He didn't understand the joke was on him. Yeah. Um, Actors don't know. Actors think, but we're trained an actor. to be, I'll tell you, oh, it wasn't No, no, he was uh, Martin from Holmes Under the Hammer. Oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah, that's that's. But he was that, behaving like that, he was fucking I, Brad Pitt. What, what I'm, honestly, he's fucking bigger than Brad Pitt. Oh, we were asking him for a photo. He's like, guys, guys, listen. Just give been, me a minute. Dated all weekend. <laughs> I'm like, Marty. So honestly, mate, we've been big fans of the show, and we were like, why, why, why have the girls like Dion Dublin in it? Like, we just, and we just, we just had them up the wall for now. It was like Sunday at Glastonbury. We were about eleven to to twelve thirty. And it's like when you, you've been there for a few days and you're just trying to get yourself back into one more day and then it's back to civilization. One more day. And um, we were just trying to start out and the day was going quite slow. And then one of my mates bought a pair of gold hot pants <laughs> and we found Martin from Holmes Under the Hammer. And honestly, he just fucking Made lived on a different planet. Like he was behaving like, like the biggest superstar. Like at, to the point where... I felt like saying to him, Martin, like, you are a fucking dick. Um, but it was that funny that we had to keep it going on. And honestly, he's the, he won't know until this goes out that we were fucking laughing at him. Um, so I just want to touch back on Reclaim. Obviously, yeah. what led you into... How did you... Have you, got, have you seen Ronald Reagan and obviously um, decided well, you're going to be uh, president or prime minister? Yeah, I should... Are you running? You got it? We're going there. Um, reclaim. Yeah, so, so I is was... It, is, is it a slightly right or slightly left, the centre party? It's not really... Like, it's it's the way that we formed it, me and the guy who um, backs it, it's like the political party that you hope you never have to vote for. So you're the Monster Raven Looney Party of uh, 2024? Well, it's not like Monster Raven Looney Party because they actually have some good policies. <laughs> 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 no, it's... Um, Essentially, what I wanted to do was once I'd done question time and I'd said, stop calling people white privileged because that's fucking rude and it's racist to call someone white privileged because yeah. I wouldn't call you black privileged. So let's get that sorted. And then later in the year, I um, someone was tweeting about, oh, Sainsbury's were tweeting about uh, creating safe spaces for their black employees. And I was like, that's just segregationism. Don't do that. And then a load of famous people called me a racist. Um, and I called them all paedophiles in response. And my acting career was killed after that. And then I thought, right, I'm going to start up a political movement. But I wanted it to be more media, more opinion-based. But the guy, my backer, Jeremy, was like, yeah, but just have a party just in case. The party that you hope you never have to vote for which is essentially what it is. You know, we don't really... We have a manifesto, we say what we do, but I'm not... I've got... So, it, 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 Reclaim, I take it, is to reclaim 
conservative yeah, Christian like, values or British well, values? Yeah, I mean, I think most values in the West are derived from Christian values yeah. because it's the West and that's what that was our predominant church, wasn't it? So that's fine. Judeo-Christian values as well. Um, it's to, yeah, to get back to critical thinking, decent argument, freedom of speech, always the, the idea that we're never going to get anywhere unless you can actually have a chat about it. Mm. Um, so we started up. I then ran, I got for mayor in the first year and then we've tried a new a couple of other things but i think you've got to, got to want to be a politician and i really don't well that's the thing it, it, it's a long-term gain a uh, sort of game uh, uh, where you've got to play a role for a long period and uh, hello joey it's so lovely i, I can see it's, actors though because it is a role it's almost like you i know, know but i can't I'm, i can't do that I well can't i can't so so i, I where I would struggle with it is you've got to say something that you don't believe in. That's the lying bit. That's why the, I couldn't do it as an line. actor. And I, that when I got hoofed out of acting, I just started working for Netflix. It was the biggest job I'd ever done, you know. But surely as an actor, you play characters that you don't necessarily like Well, yeah, you in. would have thought that in the fucking real world, people would turn around and say, your politics got nothing to do with it. I'm playing a gay Mancunian drug dealer. A yoga teacher in this doesn't make me a gay Mancunian drug yeah. dealing. People have lost all concept of all of that. And all well, it's act- like us. It's like people that see you on the pitch and be, think you behave the same way off the pitch. I mean, in terms of with actors or actresses, they, they, they understand, you know, Johnny Depp or Lawrence Fox or um, I think Scarlett Johansson's playing a certain role. That isn't necessarily them walking around the streets. You know, Robert De Niro isn't taxi driver every no. you but but with footballers, even because what they've got to understand is that that is our version of taking to the stage. You know, the way you behave mm. under adrenaline and in a match with with, with um, what, what's at stake is not the way you would behave in the streets, albeit I am slight exceptions in the room. <laughs> albeit, I've, albeit I've got a slightly <laughs> handy right hook. But you know, I'm actually not even a good fighter. That, that's the <laughs> thing. I'm just quite a good uh, match selector. So I probably would have been better suited to be a kind of Eddie Hearn, uh, Frank Warren, rather than uh, Mike Tyson or Tyson Fury. Mm. Um, and And... For you, in terms of, you've decided then, right? I'm going to go and I'm going to play a role politically. I'm going to try to affect change by affecting policy. I think it's culturally. Yeah, I mean, look, it's, we do. We have. I have something called the Bab Law Project, which we run, which we're trying to get some of this gender shit out of schools, which is really bad. And um, I need to. I've got some issues with the way the police police in London. Certainly, I you know. Also, there's, we've been talking about this a little bit over this conversation, is the, is the entire breakdown of trust in everything. So you need people who are willing to put themselves outside the comfort zone of the normal conversation so that other people feel free to have the normal conversation, which is, hey, you can't chop your dick off and become a girl. Mm. You need someone to really, like, go after that. And um, and I fight, so I fight legal cases. We do a bit of media stuff as well. And then I'm just getting into crowdfunding and polling and stuff now, trying to support people in that situation. And then I'll just stand for mayor every four years and I'll go, I told you it was shit four years ago, didn't I, lads? And they'll be like, yeah. And I was like, it's four times worse now. So should we just have a normal person in charge? instead of a politician, mm. because politicians have done... I can't think of a single politician who I've gone, gosh, thank God for you. 
Really I, mean, I, mean, I mean, again, it all it'll always come down to money. The UK's debt, is, oh, it's just gone, I think, to like ridiculous levels this year. And Across the West, Since the Tories have been in It's got to be, a tr- it's got to be more than a trillion. Yeah, it's well, way over, yeah. Well, we did. He he was printing a billion quid a day in during the pandemic, wasn't he? So he did 400 billion of fake money from the magic money. Buy out to the, eat out or whatever that nonsense was. That yeah, nonsense all of that shit. Yeah. So that fucked inflation. So we're, you know, he's impoverished an entire generation. It'll be a grandchildren's grandchildren paying for this stuff. And it was all built on a lie. So you need, well, I, I was talking to some PR guys about this yesterday because I was saying, they're like, you're never going to win the London Mayoral. And I'm like, I know that. It's not, that's not the point. The point is to stand. So, so who will stand against you this year? So obviously Sadiq Khan, who put on the fantastic firework display that he take great uh, pride yeah. in. But obviously um, life crimes through the roof. Stabbed. The mayor yeah. of London brings you that that little. I I, I can't bear Sadiq. Harry Khan. Pittman, you spoke about Harry Lawrence, Pittman, yeah, the young yeah. kid who lost his life terribly. In, in really posh part of London. Yeah, it was a Primrose Hill. Yeah, I take I take my kids up there and seen seen the fireworks up so, there. So that's the thing. I've lived in London, and it's kind of London's a very big cosmopolitan city. But obviously, mm. the have and have nots uh, can be quite closely situated as the crow flies. You know, apart, yeah, yeah, it's certainly um, in central London, and and to see. You know, every time I turn the news on, somebody's been killed or stabbed or something, you know, been robbed or some crazy stuff's going on in London. And as someone who's lived there, I mean, you live there now. I um, live in a really rough part of London. Um, and Is that but, not all of London? <laughs> well, yeah, it, all of London's really dangerous. The other day, the police, when they're not coming around to my house, were chasing a guy with a machete through the buildings opposite. Um, I don't mind that, though, because I like that part of London. It, I, it, it's... What? Running stopped. through the streets with a machete. It was yeah, they were chasing a guy. It, it, it seems like there's been a bit of an arms race. If you're a young person and you don't carry a machete in London, you're mm. at a disadvantage from those who clearly all are. Yeah. And then the problem you've got is if the police stop and search, and it's um, a person of colour. Uh, yeah, they're, they're, but, that, but that's just a defence mechanism. At the end of the day. If it is young black kids, and I don't care whether people think this is racist or not, if it is young black kids that are mainly stabbing people, what you do is you do create an equitable stop and search system where you say as the mayor, you go, listen, every single uh, male between 14 and 21 is going to be stopped and searched in London this year. Well, well, well it's common one. sense, though, isn't it? So, so you yeah. think about the airport in the aftermath of 9-11, I yeah. would imagine, rightly or wrongly, everybody who was brown and looked a little bit kind of a um, middle eastern yeah. will have been treated yeah. slightly differently from probably the white people when it was tasked with going through the but airport. I'm saying stop and search all of them i mean I'm, I'm, it's not black people brown people anything you look at some of the crime stats in london it's really interesting demographics of that but sadiq didn't want to talk about that he'd rather kids were stabbed so his own ideology could stay but birmingham's got a similar uh, similar if not worse problem hasn't mm. it and again you know, I don't know the demographic of the people who are committing the crime, but also from what I know about Birmingham, is it a very multicultural city? Very, you know, lots of colour in Birmingham as well as multiculturalism. You know, is such a bad thing. Well, I London. What is it? Thirteen percent of the population in, in London. Thirteen percent are black. It's it, London is now. I can't remember what it is. 40, what is that? Forty. London's uh, like Greater London's like thirteen half. What the white population is, yeah, it's 53, so it's gonna be, it's just gonna be half soon. 
Not that it matters. I don't really care about what colour someone's skin is. It never really bothered me. But what does bother me is uh, culture. So, for example, you know, you pick up on that decent point of women. Um, you see what Liverpool is by, by, you know, just obviously London's very, you know, multicultural compared to the rest of the UK. Um, what are we by population? We're, we're, we're tiny compared to... Yeah, it was like ten percent less in black and and fifteen percent less in Asian. Yeah, I mean, I don't, just don't think it makes like skin color doesn't bother me. It's 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 if someone is trying to serve a culture other than the culture that they're making their home. It's like surely you left that country because you didn't like the way that that country operated to come to a freer country, so yeah. you can be free to practice any religion or none. Well, this is the thing. So, so do you believe in we should be a secular country? We are a secular liberal democracy anyway. You're free well, we're Church of England, though, aren't we? Yeah, fuck, I mean, the uh, Church of England is a joke. I know, yeah, but that with, is the, the official monarchy. religion of, of, of the UK is Church of England. Well, yeah, I mean, is it? It is. I'd say the official religion of the UK is Islam at the moment. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, I mean, we can... We, I mean, we, <laughs> certain parts of the country, I can't disagree with you, there's definitely towns yeah. in the north that, that you would have to say, certainly Rochdale, Rotherham, um, into Bradford, Birmingham, you know, it's London. Um, you'd have to... You, you could well be right on that. But for me, my understanding of our country was because of Henry VIII, it's Church of England. Yeah. Obviously, you've got a big... Um, Jewish community in London, big Muslim community, as well as probably Mormon, Scientologies, all these other yeah. different um, Rastafarians or whatever. You'll have loads of different ones. And, and obviously you've got the Catholics. So, so I'm Church of England school. Every Church of England school by ours had a Catholic school right next to it, and they were the kind of two competing ideologies. Obviously now there's a, there's a few more uh, genders to select from, a few more religions yeah. to select from. For me, I'm looking at it going... I think it's very, very dangerous. So Kia Starmer, Ed Balls, Yvette Cooper, I, I, I'm, I'm still, I'm like, I can't ever bring myself to, to vote for, like, Rishi Sunak. I just couldn't. Like, a conservative wouldn't be the way I would be leaning anyway. Um, no. Liberal Democrats, for me, with Nick Clegg and the way he lied to get in the coalition government have kind of torpedoed any credibility they had. You know, so obviously the fact that Ed Davies caught up in the post office scandal, I don't think it's his fault, but the fact that he's involved in it means there's no way liberal. So, you know, the Monster Raven Looney Party or the Reclaim Party, yeah. for instance, I don't think there's ever been a more fertile ground for somebody to go, let's not be a politician yeah. you know let's not behave like them because what we know with the ppe and covid mm. and they're just scumbags you know they grant shaps is our um defense minister at the minute in, in one of his you know he's changed his name about four times he's got many different guises the fact that he's in charge of defense is just worries me but then this is the thing with this government if if, if it was run like a business the amount of changes they've had that have not been you know, hasn't been approved at board level. Board is putting it out to a vote and, and allowing in a democracy the people to vote on it. The amount of changes in key positions, when you look at all the key positions, whether it's foreign secretary, transport minister, every few months someone changes in the job. So if that was if you were investing in a business, you uh, wouldn't invest in that. You'd one. go, what the fuck's going on here? Shit clearly this is this is corrupt. 
That's the deep state. It's cl- quite clever of the civil service, isn't it, to have it in that they are permanently employed and never voted for. So politician, vote for, for Rwanda. Yeah. Uh, boats to like what where was your what was your take on that? What's what what was that? I thought you wanted net zero. You're gonna let <laughs> yeah. them get all over it and then you're gonna stick them on a flight to fucking Rwanda. Get out the boats, drive out to the middle of the channel, and push them back to that lovely safe country called France. Yeah. That's what I do. Now I get the European Court of Human Rights and I understand it. Leave the European Court of Human Rights. Create a British Court of Human Rights. It's really it's a very easy thing to do, but you can't have... I'm in a poll on this, actually, because I'm so fed up with it. You can't have people who've been accused of and convicted of sexual abuse in 2003, 2004, who still haven't been deported from this country. Mm. I cannot imagine that the people who can't get treatment on the NHS, homeless people, people who can't afford houses, are sitting there while somebody... Who is convicted sex offender? And is this the been, guy in Rochdale yeah. or something yesterday? Was get it? out, show some balls, create a deterrence. That's what I wanted to see in my country. I it shows strength as well because it means that you can have solid discussions and decent and proper immigration. But, but the problem is when, when the four Bump people uh, die in the <clears throat> channel. Was it last week or something like that? Have you seen those boats? Man? No, I ain't seen it. They're no. so they they they're death traps. I know, but you boats. have to accept it's not night. I think they're going to be like. I'm just thinking of me and you to put us in a situation where we're going to be about to board one of them boats. You've got to be in a pretty desperate situation to get in the channel in January. Yeah, because you're about to leave the country and everything's free when you get there at the other end. Yeah, I I kind of get that. You can start again. You should not incentivise people to... um, Illegally enter the country. Well, also to to put their lives at risk. Well, illegally entering the where's, country. Where's the SAS going out to? The, they, you know, surely we've got our Five Eyes intelligence services. We can find out who these people are and go and drop a discreet um, hand grenade through their front door. That's what you know. That's what you want to so do. Who, 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 who are we hand grenade near? The, 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 the people smuggling groups who oh, okay, charged, yeah. you know, right. five ten grand. And these boats, they're literally, you know, they're made. They're so badly made. And also, France is a safe country. Well, they're passing through a lot of safe countries to get to, yeah. t- to the UK. And you're throwing a mobile phone over the side of your boat along with any of your papers. You're walking in this country, just seeing this guy go across the border in America. He's a jihadist. But, but again, I'm widget on it, Lawrence, and, and any form of legal immigration for me, we have to, we have to be really strong on. And, and again, what is the deterrent? The other side of that is that is only, say, 30,000 people in, in, the, in the context of things. That isn't going to make or break the country. Fam- well, yeah, and I know it compounds. It, I know what you're on about. It's 30,000 families because once, once someone is over that you know nothing about, you don't know who this person is, you know nothing about them, they, they could be whoever, then, the, then their family comes over as well. So let's say there's another three of those, 30, 60, 90, 120. Yeah, compounds. And yeah. then that 120 people, 120,000 people are going to have a family of their own. And we still know nothing about them. We don't know yeah. whether they're going to turn up at the Batley Grammar School and threaten to kill the teachers showing the picture of the Prophet Muhammad. And we don't know whether they're going to run a wonderful and brilliant business. But if your first act of entering Great Britain is to break the law, then I'm really sorry. Get out. Yeah, I'm absolutely with you on that in terms of illegal immigration. I couldn't be any more with you on it. You know, we have to have legal immigration and offer off a refugee. And as I say, if they go through the due process, I think we should be a very welcome and open country. I think it's very important to have a healthy, vibrant uh, society, culture, to have diversity in there. You know, 
in terms of force and diversity on people, or as, as we've seen, as I say, with the refugees who were put in the, in the Sweets Hotel in Knowsley, that is just putting a box of fireworks into a a, a a position that you know they're gonna it's gonna catch fire at some point. It's the tinderbox that that you talk about. Why don't? We, but, but, but why instead of going? Yeah, we've got a rich history of um, immigration. Why don't we go? No, we don't. Sorry, we don't have a rich history of immigration. We've had thirty years of mass immigration, and it's changed the the demographic. De, de, no, the demographic's fine because the thing is, a country and a nation has a set of values that it occupies. So it doesn't really matter whether you come from. You know, you can come from like the biggest shithole ever and come to Britain and go, oh, I really like this because we're all it's equal, it's equality under the law, it's fairness, and it's free speech, and it's, this is the values of the country. I don't think that matters at all. It's just like not so many. Well, this is the thing about Nosley. So, as I say, Nosley has got the second highest unemployment rate in the country. So, why, why if there's no jobs for the local population? We're in the northwest of England. You know, there's, there's no HS2 now. It's been chopped off at the kneecaps. So, that all that promise of linking the north to the south, as you probably found coming mm. up today, is it, 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 it's a bit of a distance. Nosley's got the second highest unemployment rate in the country. It has no sixth form provision in the borough. Why would you bring immigrants and refugees from a, of a certain age, you know, military age men, and put them in Nosley when there's no jobs for the people who've lived here? Because the government hate the people, and they they they, they hate their own the people that they look after. They never really visit them. They hate them, and they will they will put these people wherever it's convenient to put them and where they don't think there'll be a stand against it. But if you put in, I think they've done it in Wales, haven't they? There's a population of something like 350 people in this sort of small town. Yeah. And they brought in 300 immigrants and put them in there. You just like, don't do that. That disrespectful to someone who pays their taxes their whole life. You can't... Yes, immigration is good when it's good for both parties. Immigration is not good when it's mass, unfair, out of control and into a welfare state. And I think we should be talking, we should not be so massively like, yeah, no, I'm really, really pro-immigration. I think we should be going, I'm pro-re-emigration to, to get people to go, you know what, is this country providing you with the life you want? And if it isn't, you know, and you want Sharia law and you want, you know, mm -hmm. you want all that stuff, please do leave. You're more well, than well, yeah, I agree with you on that in terms of, you know, you can't come to... Like, if I went to America, I wouldn't be expecting to change the Fifth Amendment and mm. go, hang on, I, mean, I don't agree with this, we don't have this over here. Can I... Yeah. They go, like, get the fuck. If you went to Saudi Arabia, for instance... Start walking and, and, around in a bikini saying I'm trans. Yeah, yeah you, you'd have... Um, you, you'd be... Queers for Palestine. Queers for Palestine, yeah. You won't last long there. So just, what, just before we finish, <laughs> Sadiq Khan, obviously, you're running... Are you going to run this time round to be? I uh, think mayor? I will. Yeah. So, you, so your opposition will be Sadiq Khan. Sadiq, yeah. Big Sadiq. What is he? Five S foot one. Sadiq Turpin, that diminutive little tinpot dictator. D did you not find that with Privy Patel? I thought it was really strange to see the Tories take the position he took with Suella Baravaman, yeah. Sunak, Privy Patel, and and I'm like. If, if white people were, were, were putting them policy forwards, they would have been shot down. But I found the fact yeah, that they were yeah. using brown people, I'm like, it's still an outrageous policy, some of, some of the stuff they were coming up with. But I'm like, they were getting away with more because they had 
Well, I think people. I don't think it's. I don't think it's uh, got anything to do with their skin color. I think Sula Braverman actually believes. Yeah, but imagine it. a white. Imagine like Ian yeah, Powell, for instance, or one of the white are, politicians said that they'd be. White people are too scared to, to say things. One of the things that really pisses people off about me is like I'm a white person and I don't mind talking about race at all. Are it's you not like Gary Lineker? Have you or Nikki Haley? Have you not? Got, have you not been on the sunbeds once in your I've life? Suffered, and I've suffered a lot of Nordic abuse. Um, you big Anglo-Saxon. <laughs> it's been my Nordic, my Nordic. I'm a First Nations um, Danish. Person. Okay, I must be. So you, I should be due some repatriation. You must be Vikings who've raped and pillaged um, the the, the, South, you want the some, Celts. You want some reparations? You must owe me. I'll work it out. I'll have to right, dig just, back in. We'll, we'll work call it, it out. Call it a fiver. Call it fiver. Yeah, Sadiq Khan. I think. I think there's something to be said for removing the bureaucracy as much as possible. So I think I, I think I might stand for mayor of London on the ticket of calling it the last mayor of London. Well, well, I, I'm just thinking there is is have you are you facing a, and again I don't want to um, try and compare you, but like where Biden is mobilising the legal system in the states to attack Trump and trying to you know yeah. disrupt them. Do you think Sadiq Khan with his Oh yeah, uh, brown shirt, uh, metropolitan police Gestapo raids on your house is trying to do the same to you. He will have to because also there's bail conditions imposed on me for um, for my uh, comments. So I'm not allowed to say the. I can't work out what it, I can't remember what my bail conditions are. But anyway, I've got bail conditions and I'll break them all in my mayoral announcement because. Um, these are the things I care about. Is he doing it to you just to show you who's boss and to show you, you know, he's a little bit of a, um, a power uh, control freak in that way? Or is he doing it to you to try and get you to drop out of the race? Well, I don't think he gives it, you know, let's face it, he's got that one fairly stitched up, the mayoralty. But, he, you know, vain little dictators like him don't like it when people point out their failures. So... You know, God knows why, why he sends six coppers around my house, but it can't be out of, you know... He, he Doesn't would, love you. He would have carefully thought it through, you know, we really need to... Then my neighbour was like, God bless her, I saw her a couple of days later, and she was like, I thought you murdered someone. Yeah. She was like, I was so worried. There were so many people. And, and what's the energy of the coppers coming through the door? Are they... Sorry to be here, but fuck's sake, we've the, been... They're quite... Um, the, 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 the arresting officer was was a bit too kind of bullshit about it. But the, the other guys were, you know, at the end of the day, well, my favourite moment was when someone came up to my cell door and, you know, that they have that little thing yeah. where your food comes in. <laughs> I know that all too well. <laughs> anyway, it, came, it opened and then this little chocolate brownie appeared. Are you talking about someone put something through the door or you were about uh, the person outside yeah, no, the flat? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Gonna say, is this a different gender? It was, it was quite, this little chocolate brownie appeared in its little package on my little son. Are we t- and I went up to it. <laughs> stop it now. I went up to it, and the guy and I heard this voice going, "Keep up the good work." So, um, well, this is the thing I said to you about ordinary decent yeah. people. And um, again, look, Lawrence, I'm, I'm made up to meet you face to face, mate. I could talk to you all afternoon, and, and hopefully, when. Um, the dust has settled and I'm off dry January. We can have a pint and get to know each other better because I, I do yeah. really... Well, Well, I'd love to join you in the, in the Corona Extra. We're not sponsored by Corona, actually. So, Sorry. look, I, I can't thank you enough for coming up. Thank you for having um, me. As good I say, hopefully this is the start of a, a, an interesting relationship. I'll be no doubt supporting your uh, mayoral campaign uh, to topple Sadiq Khan. Uh, Lawrence Fox, thank you very, very much. Really appreciate it. Cheers, bro. Lovely good man, thank you.
Great to meet you. Really good to meet you.